Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. It is a beautiful Friday morning here on Southern Sports Central. I'm Richie Altman here alongside Will Porter, who will produce it, push the buttons, answer the phones, tweet it out, put it out on social media, and hang out with us all right here for the next two solid hours. We've got a good guest lined up here today as we'll start off at 714 in the state of North Carolina. We're going to go outside of Charlotte where, uh, of course, uh, Really excited about this one. Going to Mallard Creek, who um, traditionally, this is a group of um, athletes that put it together. Uh, very similar. Very similar to what you see over at Dutch Fork High School. Uh, these guys really, when I say really put it together there, um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a heck of an interview here. Of course, uh, Robert Hellams is the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach over there at Mallard Creek. Uh, four-time state champion. Uh, the Cola, of course, the Air Raid uh, Academy over there. These guys do a really, really good job of putting things together. And can't wait to get this coach in here. And really, honestly, to get in the hallways now of, uh, of Mallard Creek is going to be a good thing. And then at 8 o'clock, um, we'll get back in here with uh, Ben Moore from uh, 24-7 Sports. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about all the games today that are going to happen. There's a lot of games today. There's four different uh, bowl games today. Two yesterday, which I got a chance to watch yesterday. Uh, go ahead and bring him in right now. Of course, uh, Will. Not sure whether or not you got a chance last night to watch any of the football games, uh, but an upset definitely. Uh, as Miami was, uh, they were knocked out, drug out, and 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 left out to dry there. They were beat uh, fourteen to nothing last night uh, by uh, uh, Louisiana Tech, I believe it was, and. Um, Skip Holt's team, who uh, for the first time in the history of the Independence Bowl, shut out somebody. And it was the third, I think, third shutout in the history of Miami and bowl games that they've ever been shut out. And uh, it was, uh, I know Sokon John had tweeted out, man, it was uh, three hours of his life he'll never get back. This is why bowl games, there's too many of them. 
But I'll tell you what, there's no such thing as too many bowl games because trust me, come February, come March, come April, May, and June and July, when there's no college football whatsoever, you'll wish it was a bad football game to watch. And two bad teams make a pretty good game, but it was seven and nothing going into the almost the end of the game and for um you know, the boys over there at Louisiana Tech scored one more touchdown to put fourteen on the board, but it wasn't bad. It just wasn't a lot of scoring, you know. Yeah, and uh, good morning to everybody out there. Yeah, um, I can see it. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game. I did uh, get the chance to see some highlights, some tweets. And um, what, what you saw is basically the same thing that I saw. It was just the the, the way that the football game was played. Uh, you kind of wish that it was uh, different, and you kind of wish that there was uh, more more action, more scoring than that. And for it to be a 14-0 shutout, a shutout is still a shutout. And uh, and and I did I hear that right that it's the first one in the Independence Bowl history that a team was shut out for a win. Forty four years, I believe. Forty four years. Yep. Yeah. So, forty four years since the last time that happened. So you know that that goes to show that uh, the uh, the founders and whoever uh, is the people or the, the panel in charge of selecting these teams to come and play in this bowl game, this Independence Bowl. Uh, that's the one. Uh, that I think that they did a good job with this one here, but um, yeah, it, it was, I think it was just crazy uh, sloppy football, but that that's a good kind of football um, that you would, that you would come to expect from a, a day after Christmas, especially uh, from, from two teams that are uh, still struggling. One in the ACC uh, that's still trying to get back to relevance, I would suppose. And then a Louisiana tech team that, that I haven't read up on. They got I, ten wins. They have ten wins. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so Louisiana to. Tech has uh, has good numbers to to show yeah. uh, to go along. So I think that they had they, they're ten and three now on the yeah. on the season. So they end their season at ten and three. Yeah, that's a good year. I mean, and Lou Holtz has done really a good. great job. Yeah, it's a really good year. You, you think of what Lou Holtz has done, what he's put together. Or excuse me, Skip Holtz. I say Lou Holtz. I'm so used to saying Lou Holtz. Skip Holtz. It's the son of Lou Holtz, of course. Comes in and does what he needs to do. Ten and three. 14 to nothing was the victory there. Of course, uh, Jamar Smith threw a touchdown pass and a late scoring run to help uh, Louisiana Tech beat Miami 14 to nothing on the Thursday night and the only shutout in the Independence Bowl history in 44 years. And again, that's a, that's a big deal. Uh, I think when you put everything together, uh, Skip Holtz has done a really good job. And uh, there's a lot of ties uh, to Miami. Matter of fact, uh, the head coach of Miami, actually coached there and i want to say another coach on the staff at miami had coached there but man what's going on at miami we'll talk about that here today as well because they now finished in seven on the season not a good look for the acc at all you know this is uh, the first time i believe in the history they've beaten an acc team that was huge i think again i don't know 100 percent there if that's the exact uh number there but nevertheless also last night uh, you know, you did have some more scoring in the other quick lane bowl there. But I I don't what makes it it doesn't make to me it doesn't make a great game to watch a to watch a, a big twelve game. I mean forty five to forty eight game. What does that make? That just makes it that these guys just score a lot of points. Uh to me it was just a good defensive game as far as uh the, the first game that we watched last night. That was uh you know, something that I put together. But I, eh, some days I'd I'd rather watch a good defensive matchup. Two teams that uh, really can, can can keep everybody in check there 
rather than watch this huge, this he gets a score, he gets a score, everybody gets a score, uh, which is what you see a lot of times in the Big 12. Now, the second game uh, that we'll talk a little bit about here today as well over uh, was, um, was in the state of Michigan. It was a quick lane bowl there. And Eastern Michigan had this game. I mean, it was really, I thought, a really good game overall. I don't really know what the coaches were wearing in this game. It, that was kind of the interesting thing most for me. Uh, but uh, Pitt rallied late to beat Eastern Michigan in the quick lane bowl. Kenny Pickert threw a 25-yard touchdown pass to uh, Tysier Mack with 47 seconds left. And the uh, Pittsburgh Panthers over there held on to beat Eastern Michigan 34-30 in the Quick Lane Bowl on Thursday night. Uh, again, multiple things that, that happened in this game that I got a chance to see was, of course, uh, the likes of um, ejections. Uh, people hitting each other, yeah, I was helmet gonna, to helmet. That was that was a big deal. Too. I was I was going to mention that. That's the one that I did get to see, and I got yeah. to tune into uh, close to the very end of this game and. Um, to watch Pitt come back and do that, or or let East have watched Eastern Michigan let Pitt come back. Yeah, because Pitt, because I good. yeah, because I I thought that like the conversation could have went one of two ways: is it that Pitt came back, or was it that Eastern Michigan let Pitt come back? And I think that that I think it's the latter more than the former. But uh, to see to see the quarterback get ejected for for throwing two punches, one of them uh, connected with a ref, but uh, uh, Mike Glass the third, he was ejected. Um, after throwing punches in the final seconds of, of their bowl loss to Pitt. The video is on Twitter. It's circulating. Uh, you can find it on the Sports Center uh, Twitter or the Instagram, wherever you can find it, but it, it is there. Yeah. And, man, he, he just he, – he was just like, you know, we just lost this game. It doesn't matter to me anymore. I'm just going to start throwing punches. Well, and that's <laughs> a bad thing there, too, because here's the thing. If this young man, if he's a senior, he now has to deal with that because the chance of him getting drafted. I'm not saying he wouldn't get drafted, but – that will go under his character radar. There was another gentleman earlier in the game that spit on somebody from Eastern Michigan, too. And that, oh man, that's a bad look, too. And then there was a, a helmet to helmet, a guy that he was taken out of the uh, out of the equation. So there was a lot of it yesterday. A lot of uh, a lot of ejections happened yesterday during this game. And again, Ooh. you know, for Pitt, this is a, this is a, are you excited that you that you won 34 to 30? You beat a, a Mac team that is six and seven on the season. You know, great. You're eight and five. But you're eight and five, beating a bad team out of the MAC. I don't know. It's not very good. Miami, not very good. So we're going to do a break. Uh, we do have to go back to, of uh, course, uh, tell you a little bit more about today's show. Is we're really, really excited here. We got a first time guest coming in here. We're going to get in the hallways finally over there in Mallard Creek, where um, we'll be joined there with their offensive coordinator, Coach Robert Helms, is going to join us here coming out of break around. Um, 714. So we want to make sure that we uh, that we have everything lined up here. He'll join us. We'll talk about Mallard Creek and, and exactly how their season went. Now, this team, by the way, is the only team that has come close to beating Dutch Fork. And they play these guys in week zero in Columbia, I believe is where it was. But it was on ESPN. And because of Mother Nature, they ended in a tie this year. So if you look at the Dutch Fork record, who, by the way, four state championships in a row, we know the, uh, the the accolades they have. It was a tied ball game. So they do have a tie on their record from this past year. Now, Mallard Creek went all the way through the season undefeated other than that tie, and I think lost in the championship game, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the only loss they had. They did finish number three in the state of North Carolina in their region, division, classification. But uh, we'll talk more about that with Coach Helms as he's going to join us here coming out of break. 
And then, again, we'll get back into some college football. We'll look at some, some NFL football. We've talked a lot about it going into this um, this week, as you uh, guys know uh, how this thing works here, of course. Uh, we'd love to hear from you here today, so hang out with us. Follow us on Facebook over there at Southern Sports Central. Check us out on Twitter at SO Sports Central. And uh, we'll be right back. This is Southern Sports Central coming at you live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, Murray. Oh, Murray. Oh, Murray. Oh, Murray. And your arms. I'm longing to be. Longing to be. Mmm, baby. Baby. Tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. Kiss me once while the stars shine above me. Shine above me. Hey, hey, Murray. Hey, Marie. Oh, Marie. Oh, Marie. Can you run? I'm longing to be. Longing to be. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. Hey, Marie. Hey, Marie. Hey, Sammy. Come here, boy. Where Marie? Where Marie? Where Marie? One who's on her. She's her birthday. Come to me. Come to me. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh no 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 the brachata oh no no the brachata brachata oh no no the oh no no the brachata come on boy what's the matter oh no no the brachata one the zona she does everything ha 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 Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich. I'm alongside Will Porter here for the, uh, well, the second segment here of today's show here on the 27th day of December. It is a Friday, a couple of days after Christmas. Now we count down the new year as it's going to be a whole new year this time next week. And boy, this year, 2019 has flown by. We've had a lot of ups and downs and all arounds here. A lot of growth uh, here on Southern Sports Central. We've made it into a lot of new states and uh, made it into a lot of new counties and cities. In high schools, boy, that's kind of been the, the storyline for us is uh, we're knocking doors down and, and adding uh, name brands here in the studio as we're getting new helmets here, and we'll get one here as soon as the uh, coach from Mallet Creek joins us here. Uh, we'll, we'll have him in here with us, and uh, that's actually getting ready to happen here in just a few minutes here. We'll add the Mallet Creek helmet uh, here on the uh, wall as we're really, really excited about getting another prestige uh, campus uh, to be a part of what we do. Because we know the standard over at Mallard Creek is high. What these guys expect 
is, is top notch. So that's that's what we do. That's what we expect here on Southern Sports Central. We're in the back of Somerville High School. The legendary coach John McKissick, the best, just passed away uh, only about a month ago. Of course, uh, over sixty years. You know, he is the most winningest high school coach in America. Uh, over six hundred twenty-one victories here, and uh, just all the things that he's done in state, ten state championships and and many more accolades across the board. Well, when we were uh, put together. Here at Southern Sports Central, that was one of the things that me being the founder that I really dove into, made that part of our recipe. And, of course, uh, we continue to do that by bringing on great guests and uh, five-star programs like we will do now as we'll head over to the Matt's Burgers Hotlines and we'll be joined now by the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach over there at Mallard Creek, Coach Robert Hellams. Uh, coach, uh, tap of the morning, welcome to Southern Sports Central. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. You guys are, I tell you, y'all are good, man. And it's been a long time, uh, us wanting to get you guys in here, somebody from the program, uh, to talk about Mallet Creek and the expectations and the things that you guys are doing in the state of North Carolina. I know, uh, we'll talk about here in just a few. You guys actually came to South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, and played against a very good Dutch Fork team and had Mother Nature not come in here. You guys might have, uh, Changed a few things uh, that we've seen out of the uh, Dutch Fork camp here this past year. Y'all finished them in a tie, but uh, kind of introduce us to yourself and to the program over there at Mallet Creek. I believe you guys are right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. So uh, kind of give us a, a rundown of who is Mallet Creek, Coach. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we we are uh, just north. We, we're in Charlotte. We're just on kind of the north side of the city. Um, and uh, like I said, we did we did start out the year against Dutch Fork on ESPN. I felt pretty good about our chances and uh you know like i said the weather delays and all that uh you know they, they didn't want to start the game i guess at uh at midnight again so uh but yeah we played well they're a really good team and um you know i think we were we were at least going to get a field goal if not score a touchdown there at the end and uh unfortunately we weren't able to finish that game but uh this is my my first year at at, at uh, mallard creek and uh i mentioned I, I heard you guys talk about somerville i'm actually from somerville high school so, uh, you know somerville south carolina so um, interesting. <laughs> that is funny how that works out. And this happens works all the time. I had no idea nothing either. So, isn't that interesting, Coach? I mean, the world of sports—we say it's a small world, but man, that's awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I grew up there and uh, ended up graduating from Stratford High School with uh, Coach oh, Stack. We won't hold that against you over here, Coach. We're good. I'm just... <laughs> that's right. That's it. <laughs> now, what year did you graduate from Stratford? If you don't mind me asking. Ninety-six. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so you graduated actually with a couple of buddies of mine. I know uh, if you played baseball then in 96, I'm not sure a lot of coaches, yeah, football. I was a football baseball player as well. Y'all won a state championship in 1996 over Stratford. Coach Chalice. Uh, right I, did, I did. I played baseball in college. Um, I, I Basically, they, they had a policy back then that they didn't take transfers. Um, Coach Chalice told me I was good enough to make the team, but uh, I came in as a junior and, and didn't get a chance to play with those guys, but uh, it was the same guys I grew up playing with all you know all my life and everything. But I ended up playing two sure. sports at uh, Newberry College, football and baseball. And Newberry, another great coach, uh, Coach uh, Coach Spivey, who was on the staff at Somerville. I mean, I'm, we're probably giving you some names that you've heard of here before, but uh, he's he was a teammate of mine my freshman year. Yeah, yep. Well, look at there. Yeah, he was. A, I tell you what, he was a quarterback awesome. for us. That's right. Man, yeah, man. Small world. Somerville sends a lot of kids. It's kind of like Somerville. Uh, you over there for us, uh, if you're a Somerville guy. Of course, I'm the voice of Somerville on Friday nights on ESPN okay. Radio. I get to do awesome. the play-by-play and 
Uh, I'm the neighbor where, where my house is. It actually backs right up to Coach McKissick's house. So, uh, man, it's a small world. How great is this? I mean, this interview just got better in, in about 30 seconds with you giving us this information. But, uh, you know, I've got a lot of love. I went to Stockton High School. So, fortunately or unfortunately, the team that we were connected to coming down into the low country was always, uh, was always Stratford and um, Johnny Hedges and a lot of those guys. I know those guys pretty well yep. over there. And a uh, great group of guys. Uh, didn't like them much back in the day, but we've grown up a little bit. Not much, <laughs> but we, we at least tolerate each other in town here. And uh, but, yeah. but, but nevertheless, uh, so d- deep, d- deep-rooted, Coach, you're really a Somerville guy. I mean, let's just be honest. Your blood's still, you know, yeah, you can like, say you, you've lived a lot of places, there, but you so, were yeah. – <laughs> How much have you taken yeah, in that? Let's, let's kind of go that angle. How much have you taken in that angle, Coach, to, to coach over uh, at Mallard Creek? And you remember your days of watching Coach McKissick, and, and, and now you're an offensive guy, which is pretty neat because Joe Call, of course, the head coach here, the grandson over at Somerville, he was an offensive guy. He was a quarterback and up going to the Citadel and all that good stuff as well. But how much have you taken growing up watching the Paracudas here in Somerville, watching, uh, you know, different athletes that come out of Somerville and now here you are an offensive coordinator and doing a great job, by the way, at it over at Mallard Creek. Thank you. Well, I, I think just, um, you know, not necessarily anything scheme-wise. You know, we don't run the, you know, the wishbone triple option or anything. But, uh, you know, just from just from a, a, a love of the game, uh, you know, I, I grew up going to games, uh, you know, really from the time I can remember five, six years old, I, I, you know, I never missed a Somerville game. And, um you know, just just you know, seeing what what happens when a town gets behind football and and kind of uh, you know coaching at places where football is important. I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away uh, from that, and that's something that throughout my coaching career, that's that's really one of the things that that has stuck out to me is you know there's there's certain places that football is is you know not you know not real high on the priority list, and I've tried to. I tried to only coach at places as much as I can or, or places that um, I prefer to coach or, or you know, places that really care about football, make a commitment to it, uh, to the sport, um, you know, from a community standpoint, as well as, you know, the administration and the school and, and things like that. But uh, that that's probably the biggest thing is just the, you know, how much, how, how big, you know, Friday nights are in Somerville and, and growing up there and, and seeing uh, what a special part of the high school experience that can be live right now with the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach that's uh pretty much using a lot of times how that goes with the ocs they like to run the quarterback shows as well but that's uh we got coach robert helms here who's a graduated played his college ball days over at newberry and now here he is at mallard creek a prestige program on the other side of the state lines in north carolina right outside of charlotte if you think of dutch fork you got to think of Mallard Creek. It, it would be uh, a very mirror image uh, from coast, or, well, from from the South Carolina, North Carolina vision there, Coach. Uh, when, when we look at your season, now, let's go a little bit into Mallard Creek. You guys, of course, tied at the beginning, and you didn't. I don't think lost your your only game was there in the playoffs. The final, uh, it was it the finals or the semifinals there, where you went against a, a really good team, kind of maybe surprised you a little bit there, but. Um, what a stellar year all year long. You guys were putting up the right numbers, handling business, defensively stopping the other team and really putting everything in line for you guys to win another state championship. But tell us a little bit about the season, how it started. Of course, I know you guys went with a tie, but after that you got back in the state of North Carolina, you went back to work there 
and uh, get us all the way through to the uh, to the final game of the year. Yeah, we did. We um, we also played uh, a Gaffney from South Carolina as well. And uh, but but yeah, we finished the, the you know like I said after the uh, you know, after we tied against Dutch Fork, uh, we won ten straight. Uh, we won our conference championship. Uh, went undefeated, obviously in conference. And uh, <clears throat> you know just the way the the playoffs are set up in, in North Carolina, we actually we got a bye week. We were we were the number two seed. Uh, we got a bye and, and played. Um, Vance High School, which Vance, you know, Vance was was, uh, you know, they were in the state championship game last year. Uh, they ended up winning the state championship this year. So we came off a bye and played them in in our first playoff game, which was round two. And you know, we had a tough game against them the first time. We beat them seventeen seven in the first game, and then um, unfortunately we lost the lead with like the last minute of the game. And uh, you know played a little rusty you know we didn't you know we didn't we did some uncharacteristic things against them and you know it's it's tough coming off a bye week and playing a, a state championship caliber team and and we lost like i said what essentially was the state championship game in, in round two and uh you know they didn't really have a close game after after they you know played against us and then uh they went on and won their first state championship this year Live right now over here with Mallard Coach, uh, the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach over there at Mallard Creek, uh, Coach Robert Helms, who, uh, again, breaking down all the stuff over at Mallard Creek. Uh, tell us about the, the, the entire atmosphere there, because it seems like winning is, is, is just expected there. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether who's the head coach, uh, what's going on, on the, in the hallways, on the football field. It's, it, it's win it all, or, or, or we have to regroup and kind of figure things out there. Uh, give us a little bit about the mission over there, the, the attitude over there, the athletes, because, again, I, I went through and looked at a lot of your stuff here all of year long. Uh, we, You and I back and forth and trying to find the right time to get you in here with. But it, it seems like you guys are putting athletes at the next level uh, at, at East. A lot of guys signing some pretty big deals, and if you will get into some of that, some of the biggest athletes that you had, and, and where are they out and about around the country playing college football? Yeah, um, yeah, Coach Palmieri, you know, he's he's the only head coach they've had at Mallard Creek, so he's really, you know, the guy that's established the, the program there, and um, he, he's, you know, done an unbelievable job as far as establishing, you know, what's expected of the players there, and, and you know, it's 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 great to coach in a place where winning the state championships is, is the expectation, um, but it also, you know, puts pressure on our kids a lot, and and they but they, they want that. Uh, that's why they come to Mallard Creek. Cause they want to have a chance to play at the next level. They want to win a state championship. And, uh, you know, there's just, there's competition every day at practice. Um, it, it's an unbelievable environment. It's, it's really special. You know, we, you know, our, our players, you know, talk about how Creek's just different and, you know, until you experience it, you don't really know what they're talking about, but it is, it's just, it's a different place. And I, I love being a part of it. Um, uh, you know, as far as like, you know, signees and things like that, you know, this year, uh, you know, our, our big one was obviously Trent Simpson. He won, uh, you know, a lot of player of the year awards, things like that. Five-star, if you follow recruiting rankings and all that stuff, five-star linebacker that committed to Clemson. Um, we had two other guys that signed power five uh, with power five schools this year, uh, Quentin Williams with Miami and uh, Josh Iola, uh, with Syracuse, uh, that was a Quentin was a defensive end for us, and Josh played some defensive line and, and offensive line for us. And then we also had um, 
our quarterback, Dustin Noller, uh, he won the conference player of the year offensively. Uh, Trent was the defensive player of the year, and uh, Coach Palmieri was the coach of the year, so we did really well with that. Uh, we also had Jaden Dennis, uh, cornerback, who signed with uh, Elon, uh, Araby Muslim, who signed with uh, Charlotte. He uh, He's an offensive lineman, started every game at left tackle for us, and then we had a guy, Eli Culp, who uh, played corner for us. Uh, he's going to Austin, PA, and then I expect us to have you know, maybe double digits, you know, more guys signed in, in February. We've got a lot of guys out there that are still kind of sifting through the the, the process recruiting wise and, and kind of evaluating all their options and stuff. But um, just, you know, historically, um, you know, obviously every, every year it seems like Mallard Creek's produced, you know, they have 10, 12 guys signed uh, with colleges and continue their, uh, you know, their education. I, I think somebody posted the other day that, you know, we're in the, 40s or, or 50s of guys playing college football right now uh, that are former Mallard Creek players. So um, it's it's I can't even keep track of all of them. Uh, I know, you know I'm a Steeler fan also. I know uh, you know we have a uh, there's a running back for the Steelers uh, playing playing for Mallard Creek. We also have DJ Humphreys, uh, who's a left tackle in the uh, NFL for the Cardinals. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a great program. that's produced a lot of really good players. Right now, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach over there at Mallard Creek talking about the history and the tradition and all the means, uh, the things over there right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina with Coach Robert Hellams. Uh, coach, uh, you, you talk about the guys that have signed already that will sign again in, in February. Let's get into this conversation now. And you've seen it like I've seen it. We're, we're actually the same age here, uh, looking at how changes have become the norm here in high school football. I mean, there's no more bull in the ring. You remember those drills. There's none of that really full <laughs> contact stuff. I don't know why. I mean, if we're preparing our kids for the game on Friday night, shouldn't we give them uh, the best atmosphere to prepare for that? We do it in the classroom. We should probably do that on the football field. That being said, uh, you know, you guys have to make adjustments here, but you also have to make adjustments with the style kids that you're dealing with. And you're not in the state of North Carolina. I'm not sure, but in the state of South Carolina, it's a little different than it used to be. I mean, kids uh, can, can, can say things and do things in the hallways that, well, quite frankly, we couldn't get in the way with if we tried our best with the teachers that we dealt with and you could held accountable in the hallways. Well, when they come down to the football field, uh, you know, the accountability hasn't changed since 1908. It's not any different here in, in 2019, 2020, but you got to remold them, retrain them, re-get them back to that mindset to where profanity, look, it's not acceptable. It's not going to happen here. This is not where that's going to be. And a few other things. With that being said, talk to us, Coach, a little bit about some of the things you've seen change in your days of playing high school football and the way that you have to talk to your quarterbacks and, your, uh, of course, your offensive linemen and, and the running backs, the receivers, because you're also the OC over there. Uh, and because you don't want to hurt their feelings. It seems like this is a little bit more of a touchy-feeling uh, generation than what we were growing up. And then I also would like you to kind of touch on, do you like the early signing period? Of course, to us here at Southern Sports Central, we've had multiple coaches on, especially here in the last few weeks and, and a month there with uh, the season coming to an end. And we've asked the same question about, A, number one, the early signing period, is it good or bad? And then, of course, this new portal. You know, what does it mean for high school football? And then, of course, uh, would you rather see us keep it just February to not rush these individuals to make a decision and give them another chance to continue to debut their talents at a, at a game like the Shrine Bowl, which just happened last weekend, Coach. Yeah, it's, it's just you – know, it's, it's funny. I, I remember the days of 
you know, three hour practices and two a days and no water breaks. And, and thankfully that, you know, for, for the kids involved and, and really coaches too, that, you know, those things are, are, are gone now. Uh, you know, that, you know, thankfully we know more about you know, all the injury prevention and how bodies work and all those things uh, to keep our players safe. Um, but it, it does, I think it does change uh, the mentality, like you mentioned, uh, as far as like coaching kids and things like that. It, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a big yeller or, or I'm not a guy that curses at, at players and things like that, which you know, I have played for some coaches that that was a big part of their repertoire. Uh, yeah, I, I think the kids, you can still coach them hard without doing all those things. I, I know offensively, uh, you know, we, we try to build positivity. Um, coach Little John's our wide receiver coach. Uh, Donald Little John, he, he does a great job um, in the weight room with our guys. Uh, Coach Galloway also does, you know, is, is a weight room guy for us. Uh, but we, we try to we try to build them up rather than tear them down, if that makes sense. And and that's just that's kind of the culture that that I've established, you know, at least offensively and and defensively. Those guys do a great job too. Uh, they're a little bit, you know, more. You know, Coach Palmieri wouldn't mind me saying he's a little more old school. Um, and and he he lets him you know lets him have it when he when they need it and uh, he, he understands you know kind of the pulse of the players and and when's the right time to kind of pick them up and and when do they need to be kind of brought down a little bit and um, I I think really just the our players for the most part they do what we ask them to do uh, we have enough players at our school where there's there's competition every single day and if, and they're held to a high expectation and. If they're not getting it done, we, we we talk about next man up, and we put the next guy in there, and and it's it's not really a threat; it's just a, a way of getting what we need to have and and go from there. Uh, as far as the uh, early signing period, yeah, you know, I I think the early signing period is great uh, for those for those kids that know exactly where they want to go, um, and and they're signing with you know, maybe the school is their dreams and things like that. If, if kids get involved in, in kind of picking schools for the wrong reasons and, and maybe they're picking based on uh, who the coach is or what the scheme is or things like that, then, then I think it can result in some, some bad uh, situations, you know, just because a lot of times, you know, there's so many coaches changes and coaching changes and things like that. And that, the early signing period, you end up signing with somebody and, and all of a sudden the coach leaves or, or something changes and, and they're stuck kind of going to that school. Um, the transfer portal, uh, I think, is, has had a terrible effect on high school recruiting. Um, and really, I've seen it the last couple of years, especially, you know, more and more, particularly guys that are smaller Division One players are not getting recruited out of high school. Uh, college coaches come in and say, they don't have time to develop players. Um, you know, they're looking at a two-year window for their coaching career is what they have to win or, or, or they get fired. And they really don't have time to, to take a high school guy that's more of a project that's going to develop and be a good player. Maybe they're, you know, junior and senior year. They're just looking at the transfer portal. And they're not really signing high school players anymore. They'd rather get a guy that's a junior or senior, you know, that's not happy in their current situation, was maybe better coming out of high school, and sign with the, the larger program, but for whatever reason, it hadn't worked out. And it, and it makes it tough on the high school kids, you know, because they're, they're looking for places to play. And a lot of the college coaches aren't even really looking for them. They're, they're, they're ready to sign somebody in the transfer portal. And 
also, I, I think it takes away from just kind of the teamwork atmosphere. And, and you know, it's like they, they keep jumping around. A lot of players, I guess, today, you know, they're, they're jumping around and, and finding the best spot for them, which, which is good in, in certain situations. You know, if a quarterback or something like that is maybe a pocket passer and ends up in a triple option offense, I, I get it you know, where they need to transfer and go somewhere else. But it really makes it tough where, you know, the college coaches are, are kind of having to recruit their own players over and over again to keep them around. And, you know, the days of, of players kind of sitting around and, and, and waiting until their junior or senior year to play, uh, that doesn't really happen anymore. And that's, as a, as a fan of college football, that's kind of disappointing. Um, I think it sends the wrong message, and it definitely leaks into the high school uh, high school culture as well. Live right now with the offensive coordinator and the head, excuse me, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach over there at Mallard Creek, uh, Coach Robert Helms, who is originally from right here in Somerville, South Carolina. Found that out in the opening of the interview here. Of course, uh, graduated over at Stratford High School, went over and played his days at Newberry College, and has found himself at a prestige. I mean, a big time program over there, right outside of Charlotte, due north a little bit there, as uh, these guys set standards and everybody seems to chase them from the beginning until the end there. And, again, uh, another great stellar season. Coach, over there with you guys, I'd love to see you, man. Maybe you can set it up. You've got the connection to Somerville. I'd love to see you come in here in Somerville. I know <laughs> these guys a couple of years ago played Cedar Grove out of Atlanta, Georgia. It's a 3A school. But they won their uh, fourth in the last uh, – our third, third or fourth last state championship in the last four or five years over there as well. Uh, so, I love to see big teams play each other. And, again, for what you guys went in there to do against a team like Dutch Fork that's won four in a row in the state of South Carolina, 5A football, which is the highest classification here in the state of South Carolina. We actually were on the uh, on the grounds over there at University of South Carolina when they took on Dorman. Uh, so uh, we have a lot of understanding. And, by the way, Somerville has played these guys the last four years and has been uh, kind of the uh, – they're the, kind of the kryptonite to the Somerville Green Waves playoffs every year, it seems like. They are always sized up against the low country, and uh, I've kind of deemed them the low country killers because uh, they come through and they beat everybody here in the low country to go on to the state championship. But uh, Coach Knott's a great coach. You guys over there have a great coaching staff as well. Uh, and one last thing, you mentioned the little John over there on the uh, staff with you guys. Is that guy? Is he from Gaffney? Is he a Gaffney uh, resident? Uh, his his family is. He's from he's from Charlotte. Uh, but okay. yes, he is related to the Little Johns. When, when we played them, his his cousin is the offensive coordinator at at Gaffney. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's a big thing yeah, over there at Gaffney. <laughs> oh yeah, anytime you play Gaffney, you always look at the number of Little Johns on the roster, and the more you see, the tougher it's going to be. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Coach, uh, I do appreciate this. And if you have any of your players, any of your offensive players, or you want to reach over to the other side of the ball and put some defensive players in here, the one thing about us, uh, if you you know you research us a little bit here. Uh, we're all about the high school and college level. Now, we're talking some NFL because, uh, well, the high school guys have kind of hung up the pads a little bit now, and, and things aren't quite as busy on the campuses over there with football. But uh, we love having athletes in here. Uh, we love to talk to you coaches. Uh, we like to educate the parents and, and bringing you guys in, getting a different mindset from campus to campus and promoting the athletes, getting them a chance to speak today so that when they go to their interviews tomorrow or maybe they go play college football or another sport that they have to be in front of a camera or on, a microphone. This won't be the first time. This will be the next time. So uh, send us some athletes. And if you don't mind, I'd love to keep having you in here with us as well. And when you come to 
home when you come back to South Carolina, come into Somerville, man, stop by the studio and uh, come hang out with us a little bit. We'd love an opportunity to hang out. Sounds good. I appreciate it. You got it, Coach. Uh, God bless. Take care. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll talk to you here uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks if uh, we can kind of set it up and get you and another player, maybe you and your quarterback kind of come in together. Okay, we can do that. All right, Coach. Thank you very much. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank uh, the staff over there at Mallard Creek High School for allowing uh, us to come on campus here during the off season and during, of course, uh, their Christmas break, their uh, their holiday break, if you will, over there. And a, a very good team, a very good team. When I say that, they're the only team that came close to beating uh, the likes of uh, a, a Dutch Fork in the last three or four years. The last team to do it was Fort Dorchester did it on their way to winning a state championship. Other than that, I mean, nobody's been able to get close enough to beat Fort Dorchester or Dutch Fork. Dutch Fork, yeah. Um, I, there were a lot of good takeaways from this. And, and if you go to our Twitter at SS Sports Central, uh, you know, I've been, been tweeting out some of the key points here that, that, uh, uh, that Coach Hellams made uh, in this conversation. I think uh, one of the best ones to start it off was why, uh, on the reason why he coaches football is because uh, uh, from, from an early age for the love of the game and then also seeing when a, uh, when a town gets behind a team and he tries to coach at programs uh, where the community lifeblood uh, is football. And then that leads into, of course, the culture um, at, um, at Mallard Creek. And that's why they want to come to Mallard Creek. They want to compete. They want to play at the next level. It's a program that has produced a, a lot of great players. And then their way of coaching, it, 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 they change the mentality of the athletes. You can still coach them hard, but they teach positive attitude. And they, and they, te- they coach up young men. We try to build them up uh, rather than tearing them down. Right. And it's interesting to me. Because he played for, uh, you know, he's played here in the state in, in the state of South Carolina. He's a he's a he's a Palmetto guy. He grew up right here in Somerville. Went to Stratford, okay. So he played for Coach Stackley, which I probably could have got into with him as well. But I didn't want to turn it into uh, where you're from. I wanted to kind of get into more of the Mallet Creek thing. And um, man, once he started peeling that onion back, we start realizing, okay, he grew up here. So if you think about the school that he went looking for, let's put it in perspective. The town gets behind him. You know, you, you look at the, the, the recipe for success that he was looking for in a school right here in Somerville. That's what he grew up doing. He understood what it was like at, at 3 o'clock when the town shut down and packed out the stadium. That was the same vision that he was looking for when he became a coach. From his days over there, of course, at Newberry College, who uh, another small fact here is that a staff at Somerville, a quarterback that was uh, – on the roster his freshman year. You heard him talk about Coach Bivey. Of course, uh, Coach Bivey is the offensive coordinator here at Somerville, who's originally from Conway, but uh, has landed here uh, and coaches over there with the Green Wave. Very interesting to me how all of the world of sports is so – I tell people all the time, man, it's the original fraternity and sorority. Yeah, it's a smaller world than, than you realize whenever right. um, whenever these kind of things happen and these, these dots connect. And, um, you know, and, and shout out to that. Uh, yeah. just the, the way that, that you were able in a way to make that connection because uh, uh, even though that you weren't from uh, Stratford or, or even from the low country, you still played these guys and, right. and you still know uh, you, you still have a lot of connections that are, that are here in the low country um, with, with the sport of baseball, the sport that you played and, um, and, football. and, and, and football. Right. Yeah. And, and so the, like those connections, man, it's just, it, it's incredible to be right. able to witness. Now um, I I'm an advocate. I would get behind uh, Mallard Creek coming, uh, coming to play a game here at Somerville. Yeah. 
um, and it, it, it's almost like the uh, the the team from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Cedar Grove. Cedar Grove. Yep. That uh, that Cedar Grove would would be willing to play anybody. I think that I think that Mallard Creek would be willing to play anybody, and that I think that invitation would be um, on the table, and and um, if there's a paper to be signed or just a phone call to be made, and and say like, yeah, we'll play you. Uh, schedule it down or give us a, right. give us a date, and uh, and they'll be there. It'd be a nice home and away game there, and I was hoping for that to be the case when when things set up for, of course, Somerville to play uh, against Cedar Grove. Uh, I, I was hoping that that trip to Atlanta was in the docket, man. That would have been a cool ride. It would have been a long ride, mm-hmm. but it would have been a cool ride for the kids. It would have been a great ride for the media team and, uh, of course, all the coaches, the parents. Uh, I would imagine the band. You never know. But the band, um, you know, but, but you look at things here. You know, when I first got I had no idea. I had no idea he was from Somerville. I had no idea his connections to the low country, to the state of South Carolina. Knew a little bit more about the Newberry things, but I had no idea about the bigger picture things. Uh, you saw that yesterday. We had a, we had a, a broadcaster in here yesterday, and we started talking to him about certain things. Going to find out he, uh, of course, uh, played his days. I knew this, though. I knew he played his days at, at Penn State. But I had no idea where he was from. And you know Penn State, by the way, is playing against Memphis. a Memphis team where he is originally from Memphis. So, again, how that all works. We do need to take a quick break to kind of break up that interview and the next segment. We'll get into college football when we come back. Uh, some of the big games that are on the docket for today. And it's a big, loaded show today, and it's going to start off early. So, you'll have a chance to watch football early and all the way into late. So, the first one, of course, is at 12 o'clock. There's going to be the Navy Marine Corps Memorial uh, Stadium will be the destination there, of course, for the Military Bowl uh, presented by Northrop Gunman. And uh, that's going to be North Carolina and Temple. That's 12 o'clock. Then at 3.20 on ESPN over at Yankee Stadium, you're going to get the new era pinstripe bowl, Michigan State, Wake Forest. Wake Forest fell off there towards the end. Michigan State still trying to figure out, are they for real or not? We'll see who that one comes out victorious. And then over there, uh, a top 25 team comes in finally. Oklahoma State will take on Texas A&M, a rematch, if you will, a a reunion of the Big 12 uh, teams here who – Texas A&M used to be a part of over there in Houston, Texas. That's going to be the Academy Sports Outdoors Texas Bowl there. That's going to be at 645 on ESPN. And then Fox Sports 1 gets in on the bowl action there. So we'll head out to San Diego, California. Number 16, Iowa. Takes on number 22, USC, in the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. And then finally, they finish out in the West Coast. And that, again, is uh, over there in Phoenix, Arizona, where you'll see the likes of Washington, and Air Force. The Flying Air Force is going to uh, see what they can take out Mike Leach's board in the Cheez-It Bowl. That's a 10-15 kickoff. We'll talk about all four of these games here in the next segment. You're listening to Southern Sports Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Life could be dream, if I can take you up in paradise up above. If you would tell me I'm the only one that you love, life could be dream. Sweetheart, hello, hello again. Shaboom, and open with me to get boom. Say long, ding, 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 Life would be a dream, sweetheart. Every 
time I look at you, knowing it's all right. If you do what I want you to, maybe we'd be so fine. I'm alongside Will Porter here on the other side of the glass, pushing buttons, answering the phones, and hanging out with us right here on Southern Sports Central. Uh, man, small world it is, but we'd love to hear from you here today as well. The number to call in, 323-784-9681. Uh, that is the Matt's Burgers Hotline as we're coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina, the Gurren's Pharmacy Studios. Of course, our family and friends over there at Gurren Pharmacy. It is the oldest pharmacy, independently owned and operated here in the great state of South Carolina. Uh, you got to get in there and check them out. They've got all the the medical needs you got to get, but they also got some of the knickknack things. Some of you remember at my age at 41, you know, grandma always had some of the coolest things in her house. They got all that stuff there, all that old school candies in there. Uh, of course, uh, to me, they got the world's greatest hot dogs inside there as well. And uh, ice cream, milkshakes, Coca-Cola in the glass bottle. They got it, man. It is an old school, old style, original pharmacy. And I mean, they got it all. It's like going back to Mayberry when you walk in there. The only thing they don't have is Amp and, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe they do now. I hadn't been there in a couple of weeks, but uh, we are going to do a live remote there here in a couple of weeks there, right out the front door there. Uh, usually we're going to try to do, and I say the word try, third Thursday. Every third Thursday, downtown Somerville shuts down uh, around, but not in town. And uh, everybody comes in. They've got food trucks. They've got venues of uh, many vendors around that bring all their cool stuff. There's a band usually playing over in the pavilion. I don't know if the ice skating rink is going to still be open then, but it is open now, and that's right around the corner too. But uh, we're going to do a live remote there for a couple of hours on the third Thursday. So on that third Thursday, we will not do a show in the morning, or maybe we will. Maybe we'll do one in the morning, one in the afternoon, because it'll be a different style show. We'll have guys that will come by, and we'll mic them up. Coaches will come by. We'll love sit down with us. Some players may stop by. We'll put a microphone in their hands. We'll have some speakers out there. We're really going to try to take 2020 by storm and do some big things. So, um, I do want to thank the staff one more time over at Mallet Creek uh, for opening their arms and their doors. Uh, we've been back and forth with these guys throughout the season, and we've followed them all year long. Uh, of course, we're over in Olympic High School, too, right outside of Charlotte. It's another school over there that have opened their arms and doors yep. with us as well. Yep. So this is just another school that we could add to the arsenal right here at the end of the year. 
Yeah, and um, and and some people have uh, one person I think in fact already uh, said you know set it up. There's there's a opening it in their schedule, and I yeah. I would assume there's an opening in our schedule as well, but I, I can't confirm that. But nonetheless, it, it's pretty awesome to uh, just to know that um, that we we have people out here that are listening to the show and and being able to uh, interact with you as well. Um, it, it just is, it's awesome to, uh, it's just an awesome thing to be a part of. And again, if you want to, um, be more personal and join in on the conversation, feel free to, uh, call the show. And that number is three, two, three, seven, eight, four, uh, 9681. But I mean, just a lot of great things that, um, uh, that we're, that we're able to do. And like you mentioned, going out on location, uh, and, and, uh, trying to, trying to get that ball rolling on there. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty crazy. And again, I, I, I may be beating the same dead horse or um, how, however you want to look at it, but just the, the incredible uh, possibilities uh, whenever you make you, you make these connections and then uh, you, you put the you put these connections, you, you strike up a conversation, the conversation right. turns into action and then the action uh, leads into into many. Uh, many great things with uh, with the program, whether that's whether that's a game or or just an entire season or or even a practice uh, such as that. But um, you know, just all around good stuff that uh, that Mallard Creek is doing, um, and and uh, and the coach, uh, of course, tweeting out his uh, his thanks to us having him on the show, and I and uh, and then we we of course responded. It was our pleasure, and looking forward to the next conversation as well as what awesome things uh, the Mallard Creek um, Mavs will do. Yeah, we're going to do everything we can, coaches. Uh, again, he did send it out here, whether he comes to Somerville or somewhere here in the Low Country. I'm going to try to get him here in the Low Country at some point. I know it's hard because what happened is until they had the official setup lineup of uh, the regions and divisions and all that set up in the state of South Carolina, and, and I would imagine North Carolina as well, they had no idea whether they were going to have a few dates open or not. Uh, Somerville had, uh, had probably, I'm thinking, and, and again, there's a lot of our schools here in the Low Country for sure. Had a, had a schedule and then a tentative schedule. So an opportunity which might be an opening. And, again, I'll check with the coaching staff over there and the AD and all that. I'll get with Joe, though, and uh, let them know, hey, here's a date that Mallard Creek said they would love to come to town. And uh, if it's open, then great. If not, I'll bring them somewhere else. Cause trust me, there's a handful of high schools down in the low country. Uh, this is how it happened with, by the way, with uh, the likes of uh, bringing in Cedar Grove. Now, Cedar Grove came in here because – of the fact of my relationship with Darnisha Allen Jackson, who is the mother of Bryson Allen Williams, a linebacker for the Gamecocks. Now, we followed this kid around his senior year. He went to 20 different colleges. Every time he'd get back, he'd call us in, he'd check in, he'd talk to us about what's going on. And uh, each college visit, if he talked to, of course, uh, the old ball coach in South Carolina, maybe he talked to, uh, uh, of course, uh, Nick, Sa- Nick Saban over there at Alabama. Maybe he went over there to Southern California where he talked to um, – you know, that coach that's now over there at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin. I mean, he could have talked to so many different guys, and he did. And every time he did that, he would come in and he would recap us on his ride-alongs and the visits. And so that athletes who are going to make road trips and going to make these kind of visits, they could prepare themselves for what was, what was going to be. And uh, then, of course, uh, mom got in. When she got in, she would tell us from the mom's point of view, the parents' point of view, which I thought was neat as well. Well, then all of a sudden, next thing you know, we start having conversations. She ends up coming on the team full steam because, uh, well, Bryson went off to college and she needed something else to do. And, uh, well, we gave her a job. Two hours strong, she'd come in here and hang out with us. It was a pretty good combo. The one, two points there of her and me. And uh, what I couldn't answer, I just threw it to her. Said, hey, this is you. She did a great job. And then, unfortunately, she got under the weather. So she had to step back a little bit. 
But in that process, we started talking about an opening in the Somerville schedule. I reached out to her. I said, hey, what about, what about Bryson's school? What about Cedar Grove? These guys are pretty good. Think they'll come to Somerville? And it wasn't any time short that here comes the coaching staff and those boys over there at Cedar Grove and the Saints came marching into Somerville. And, uh, again, when we started peeling that onion back and I started having that conversation with their head coach off the air and on the phone trying to set this thing up and then connected the two coaches together at Somerville and Cedar Grove, I found out that I played against this guy in high school who was from the Florence area over <laughs> at, uh, I believe it's, uh, I believe he's from Wilton High School. We've had Wilton on here as well. I think that's where Coach Smith's from, and i got to double-check that. But Wilton's a traditional powerhouse, and we've made great connections into that school that's this wild. year. That's right? wild. And uh, now I knew those guys because I played against his guys. Mm-hmm, they were right. in my reach. So how crazy was it that here's a guy that I played against in high school, had no idea who was the head coach at this prestige high school in the middle of Atlanta, bring them into Somerville, didn't go the way that some of them wanted it to go. You know, at the beginning, they, they won two punch at the beginning of the first and second quarter. It was kind of tough, but they regrouped. And our defensive coordinator, Coach Self, did a phenomenal job regrouping and held them to probably, I think it was the least amount of points that anybody had put on the board on them that year. Now, they won the state championship that year as well. Uh, with that being said, uh, they had played South Carolina uh, in the state of South Carolina one weekend and then turned around and went to the state of Alabama and was on ESPN the following weekend. Now, that uh, since then, they've gone down to Miami, Florida. They've gone to Colorado. And they've gone to a couple of other places in the country. Yeah, we, 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 say, we say Colorado like it's just right down the road. It is. But it's, it's three time zone, It's three hours, three time zones um, difference. And uh, about a day or two's worth of a drive. Um, I would assume that oh, they, they took, took a flight. Yeah, yeah they, I was about to say yeah. they, they had to take a flight to go yeah, over there. But... You know, nonetheless, that that's um, that's the testament to the the Cedar Grove um, football program that they're willing to play anybody, and they will play anybody. Because yeah. I, I, I I can just I can think of it in my head right. the the program out there in Colorado that they said, okay, well, we'll send out this invitation, and they they want to play us, so okay, we'll just you come to us then. And they were they were like, okay, and then the the Colorado program was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Or, I, or, I can imagine right. that happening. Well, you look at the classification because they're three. Yet. And yeah. now, again, they have, I think, six or seven A programs in the state of Georgia. Just like North Carolina's got more high schools. They've got double the amount of high schools in North Carolina than we do in South Carolina. We talked about that when we compared the Shrine Bowl games. Right. And, uh, but you can't, you can't do that. You, you have to be careful for that, especially when you, when you go to a place like Charlotte, where they have the inner cities and they've got a lot of kids, man. They've got to kind of move them around. We've got to go to break here. We've got a couple minutes here for the top of the hour. Of course. But um, that being said, you just can't – hey, look, you can't judge a book by its cover, okay? Sometimes you got to get in there, and you can't cheat and go to the back of the book either because it definitely will uh, will cheat you out of it. we got to go to break. Coming up top of the hour, Ben Moore is supposed to join us here uh, in hour number two at the top of the hour. We'll get into these games from yesterday, games today. We'll get into college conversation here. We're going to do a show again tomorrow. Uh, will, I believe you're ready to rock and roll from 8 to 10. I'm going to hang out with you because there's just so much to talk about. I mean, there's yeah. a lot going on in uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it in. I mean, we can go on the road. If you want to do it here, there, anywhere, we can stay in the studio. But it uh, should be a good one. Top of the hour is now. We're going to take a quick break uh, here from our newest sponsor over there, of course, uh, at the Tent Farm. We're going to throw a little shade into you this weekend here. And if you're looking for shade, uh, reach out to these guys. I'll let Jonathan Farmer, uh, the founder, and uh, the man here on the commercial, as he's going to give you a shout-out here in just a few, guys. This is Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. 
My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% .9 protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tents. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the tent farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. Welcome back, everybody. Hour one is done. Hour two is underway here on Southern Sports Central. I'd love to hear from you this morning on the Matt's Burgers Hotline, uh, 323-784-9681. This segment brought to you by our friends over at Matt's Burgers. Matt's Burgers is the oldest, uh, greatest little hot spot here in the Somerville, South Carolina. If you want to look for a burger that you just can't beat, it's right over there on 102 South, Central, South Cedar Street. And, uh, you know, check in. Tell Matt that, of course, uh, we sent you over there. But I'm going to go and tell you, don't look at the menu. Just sit down. Get yourself a nice glass of sweet tea. Ask for the bomb. Belly up to the bar. And enjoy. And then go find a nap. Because that's what you're going to need. Because it is a smothered, covered cheeseburger that's got everything under there. And, yes, there is a cheeseburger under it. But it's got the homemade cheese and chili and all that works there. of uh, The Tyser family tradition right there all on the table. You'll enjoy it. Trust and believe me when I tell you it's worth it. Uh, they've got great cheese fries. They've got, you put some chili on that as well. Uh, they've got a lot of great things. But go over there and hang out with those guys as we bring in the new year because everybody knows come January, you're going to live in the gym for about three weeks. But before you go to the gym, go ahead and add another pound or three or five on there and uh, stop by and order the bomb. Also known as the bomb in the business of sports is uh, Ben Moore as he's over in the ATL hanging out and uh, getting ready for a big-time matchup coming up tomorrow. He'll be covering this one, watching it as well. And uh, that's Oklahoma taking on the likes, of course, of LSU in the uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Ben, top of the morning again, and welcome back to the show. Yeah, good morning, sir. Happy Friday. Happy Friday it is, man. Uh, we're we're going to do – we do a show on Saturdays. That's more of uh, – I let Will kind of play with the uh, the equipment here in the studio on Saturday, uh, and he does a great job, but he and I are going to do another one here tomorrow just because there's so much football, man. It's hard to cover it in all in two hours. But uh, before we get to tomorrow's games, let's talk – and today's games, for that matter. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about yesterday. Man, uh, boy, Skippy. Skippy, Skippy did a good thing, man. He went in and uh, brought a team from the South Beach of Miami and punched him in the mouth and broke a record and uh, made a few people angry. Maybe cost it a few jobs along the way, but uh, you and I talked about this yesterday. I'm not really surprised. I'm just surprised Miami couldn't put any points on the board. Yeah, just uh, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Just a struggle at quarterback. Uh, you know, they, you know, Manny Diaz and that staff uh, just out of answers offensively. Just looked awful. I mean, it, they went to Tate Martell for a couple series. They went, uh, you know, to uh, you know Jaron Williams. He went uh, all the way up and down and around, and it just none of it was good. And that was uh, that was certainly a problem. Uh, for the Miami Hurricanes, and uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see uh, what changes, if any, 
come out from uh, this uh, you know, this off season and, and seeing what will uh, what will transpire. But uh, already right before the game basically broke, uh, the offensive coordinator for Miami is not expected back after the game. So uh, you know already changes were were imminent. Uh, you don't know what kind of flux that happened behind the scenes certainly to uh to before that game started but uh, it, it was a mess it was ugly to watch uh certainly if you're a miami hurricane fan or a fan of acc football that's uh certainly a representation of your conference and we've heard certainly the slings and arrows that uh, the acc has taken top to bottom this season but uh impressive uh certainly defensive performance by louisiana tech they weren't great on offense by no means as well but uh you notch a 14-0 win in a bowl game you feel really happy about it and, and uh again grab a 10th win there yeah, no doubt about it. They get their 10th win there, of course, uh, and, and do a few things while they were in the midst of doing this yesterday. Uh, of course, uh, when you start to kind of look at uh, all the things over there uh, with uh, Skip Holtz and how he was able to really kind of put everything together, uh, this is a, a very stellar, I'd say, class. This is his first class that he's kind of watched them grow through, go through all the things that they've gone through over there at Louisiana Tech there. They've had uh, 25 or something uh, was one of the winning numbers there that I've heard through the program with the senior class that he just went through. Uh, they handled it well. Like you said, it wasn't a, a stellar performance by neither team. It was more of a defensive uh, game, if anything, there. Of course, uh, the most interesting thing was watching Skip Holtz try to not get doused out with the Gatorade, and uh, his little Fitbit there probably uh, went in overdrive as he walked up and down the sidelines. But, you know, there's a bath that you got to look forward to, man. When you beat an ACC team, you know, it's not your fault that they're not that good. It's not your fault where they come from. Uh, you know, you do know they're a Power 5 school, and it's just another notch on the belt there for a, a smaller conference to say, look, now we beat you in a bowl game. I mean, what's going on over here? Uh, for everybody else, it, it's, man, Miami is not good. they got a lot of problems. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think uh, Diaz is, is the answer neither. I, I think you start at the top and work your way through. Uh, but I get it. Somebody's got to go first, and then they'll, they'll make their arrangements uh, later on. Now, uh, let's go over to the Independence Bowl. Uh, excuse me, let's go now to the, uh, the Quick Lane Bowl that was in the uh, state of Michigan. This game a little bit more interesting, but not all the good ways, but definitely at least more entertaining for us here to watch it from uh, the couches and, and the houses that we were in if you weren't there at the game. But Pittsburgh also, I didn't think they looked good either there, Ben. And, again, struggled to really get things together, consistency. A lot of tip drills took in place yesterday. A lot of guys catching it off the fingertips from the other teams over at Eastern Michigan. But I thought it was Eastern Michigan's game that they really kind of gave it away there at the end on multiple times that they could have put this thing away – multiple times but ends up losing this one 34 to 30 it's a it's a big win for pittsburgh but they didn't beat a really good eastern michigan team who now finishes under 500 yeah and uh and, and they're you know every every uh, you know gr- a group of five and even power five team plays an fcs opponent and uh, i happen to know one of the uh, specifically about eastern michigan uh, just probably to get them in this bowl game uh, they beat a very good central connecticut state team on a walk-off punt block return for a touchdown. So it just tells you kind of how they uh, scraped in uh, there and, and certainly looked, uh, you know, fit in the eye uh, for every bit of that football game. Uh, but, no, de- definitely a good win. <clears throat> it was impressed by uh, Pittsburgh quarterback Cam Pickett. Uh, you know, if you hadn't, hadn't watched ACC football or hadn't seen him, you know, he looked strong, passing for 369 yards and three touchdowns. But uh, it wasn't pretty. Defensively, as we talked about yesterday, it really comes up to motivation in some of these bowl games. You know, you're traveling on Christmas Day or the, or Christmas Eve in some cases. There's not a ton of fans that can make that uh, travel uh, arrangements all the time. 
and uh, it's going to be, you know, a, certainly a pro Eastern Michigan, certainly geographically closer to that, um, you know, to that uh, conference or that uh, that team's, um, you know, location there. But uh, no, pretty pretty interesting game. Certainly was better uh, offensively than the first game, as we mentioned. Um, but uh, yeah, just just kind of wild uh, to see things given away and just a couple mistakes uh, there costing costing Eastern Eastern Michigan there at the end. Live right now is Ben Moore, 24-7 Sports, breaking down the games from yesterday. Of course, uh, the other bad thing is this is the many ejections that happened over there with Eastern Michigan. Uh, a, I didn't – the coaching staff kind of had on this uh, this whole work staff. It was kind of like a, a throwback uh, retro kind of shirts there, and, and I still never heard the history behind it there. But uh, that was the first thing that I was like, well, that's different. And then you start watching the game, and again, like you mentioned, the quarterback, I will give him some love here. That guy, he slung it all over the field. To get over 360 yards on a game there, uh, really I thought was impressive. He was able to hit a lot of guys in stride. Uh, they did complete uh, a record, I think 94-yard touchdown pass. That was a, a Pittsburgh record, the longest pass uh, completed for a touchdown there in the history of Pitt, if I'm not mistaken. That happened last night as well. Uh, but for these guys, hey, they end on a good note there, and they're able to handle business and get some momentum going into the offseason as they get one more signing day. And they'll say, look, okay, you see what we're able to do. We finished here with a positive record. We get things going in the right direction. If you come on campus, we'll get a little bit better. So hopefully they can use that uh, along with that transfer portal to get a little bit better going into uh, 2020. Now, that being said, uh, then let's look at some of the games today. Of course, uh, we'll start over there with the military uh, bowl over there going to happen uh, in the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. North Carolina, they've been dancing all year long, doing some great things, literally dancing there, of course, with Mac Brown back on campus over there. Why not? This guy can get down for an almost 70-year-old man. This guy's got some moves, but will he move enough with his offense and his defense to take on a Temple team that, you know, we've seen some highs and some lows of this Temple uh, team coming in here, a smaller conference against another larger conference, but 12 o'clock kickoff on ESPN. You expect an upset here, North Carolina kind of takes this momentum and heads into the offseason with a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit better dance moves. Yeah, North Carolina certainly has been an EKG, a roller coaster, however you want to put it. Uh, you know, they were within, uh, what, in, about a foot and a half of knocking off Clemson. And, uh, they, you know, they go all the way down to the depths, uh, you know, getting getting embarrassed at home by App State. Very good App State out of the Sun Belt team, but facing another group of five program and as we kind of talked about a little bit earlier you know these group of five versus power five matchups are a really big deal for these group of five schools and, and they they want to have something to point to and, and i i certainly enjoy looking at that i'd say very selfishly as a graduate of a group of five school um you know it's a big deal when you knock off a power five school uh whether it's a bowl game whether it's in the, actually in season uh, but having that opportunity to say hey we're better than you today and uh, i know temple certainly has had a very good good history under jeff collins who's now under uh, now at Georgia Tech, uh, but now continuing to to rock and roll. And uh, you know, we mentioned uh, Manny Diaz a little bit earlier. Uh, he did the U-turn. He was Temple's coach for a short matter of hours, and then did the U-turn right back down to the 305 in Miami. Well, what would have been if he potentially would have stayed? Um, could have had uh, you know been an eight and four program instead of one that uh, may have him in uh, hot water there. But I uh, was expecting a, a pretty good game there. Uh, I expect Temple to play very very hard. Um, interested to see North Carolina, what their mindset is, and, and how they can do offensively, and can they put up the, the points uh, to to really uh, you know affect Temple in this game? Should be uh, should be fun to watch. Live it out, Ben Moore over there, twenty four seven Sports, and the ATL hanging out with us from Atlanta all the way here to the of course uh, 
coastline of the Carolinas here in Somerville, South Carolina at Southern Sports Central. Uh, now we head over to the Pinstripe Bowl. This one, it's interesting because Wake Forest is 8-4. and four. Record-wise, they're a better team than the 6-6 six and six Michigan State. Oh, Sparty over here uh, is favored, by the way, though, in this one by four. Uh, they have a 60.6% chance to win this one. Of course, if you're looking at the parameter of win law, or the, the matchup predictor there by ESPN's folks over there. Now, Michigan State, Wake Forest, they'll get up together here. Uh, a little bit later today, 3:20 kickoff, ESPN over in Yankee Stadium over there in New York City. Uh, with that being said, uh, Wake, we've seen some highs, we've seen some lows, but it's been a little bit lower than higher here towards the end of the year. But this is a great opportunity for the ACC to make a major statement during the bowl season. Even though we get it, not a lot of guys, uh, not everybody dresses out, not everybody shows up for these games. But this does give an opportunity for the ACC, which they've done really well in the last three or four years of winning. That, that I would say bowl season cup by winning more games than a lot of other conferences. But is there a chance that Wake Forest gets in here and takes one out of Michigan State uh, on a uh, day like today? Yeah, keep an eye on Sam Hardman. He's the uh, Wake Forest quarterback there stepping in for Jamie Newman, who hurt himself late in the, late in the regular season. Um, I believe against Syracuse uh, got, had a leg injury and got knocked out. Very interested to see what his health is going to be. Um, Jamie Newman was really one of the better quarterbacks in the country that no one probably knew who he was and was really, really uh, getting Wake Forest riding. They were looking like they were potentially an ACC title type, uh, title game type team. Uh, and uh, the, the tough part about it overall, um, you know, is just just injuries. You know, in general, as we see and talk about all the time in college football, can affect things, can affect uh, the offense, can affect the defense. Uh, but uh, looking forward to uh, I like Wake Forest certainly in this game if they can uh, get out there. The, the fun thing about that program is they don't beat themselves. They 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 jump on you. They're not super talented. They're not super uh, you know. They're not driving five stars into your building. Uh, they just beat you up with well disciplined and, and you have penalties and you pick yourself apart and uh, you know you shoot yourself on the foot. They're going to jump you and that's uh, been the interesting part and certainly the development there. Uh, you know, in Winston-Salem over the last few years, and they continue to be a very, very tough out. Reminded me a lot, honestly, of Temple. You know, they've played very diff- difficult, tough uh, defense and, uh, you know, run, run the gambit offensively and just force you to be uncomfortable. And I think that's, uh, that's something that uh, you, you don't want to uh, – that, that can force you to be uncomfortable and make you think. And, uh, you know, as we, as we know, Lake Forest is a very good academic school as well as many are in the, uh, in the ACC. And uh, my wife likes to joke. Got to be careful with the smart kids. Well, I tell you, you know, the funny thing here is that you mentioned uh, Mr. Sam Hartman, who is going to be the, the quarterback playing in this bowl game. He is a he is a, a low country guy. He played uh, his senior year over there at Oceanside Academy, which is, uh, of course, uh, Coach uh, Chad uh, Will Chad Greer. Chad Greer is the dad here, who is the head coach over there at that program over in Mount Pleasant. Of course, Will, Will Greer is his son who uh, is now the uh, well, was the starting quarterback over for the Panthers this past weekend. Uh, but it's been an interesting deal here. You watch Sam. We watched him kind of grow up here senior year, do a lot of really big things here with the, uh, with the Land Sharks. So to hear his name here on the show again, again, we just talked about how small the world it is. And here we are talking about a low country athlete over, at, of course, at uh, Wake Forest that's going to get the chance to start and uh, hopefully have a really big game against a very good, uh, team over there with Sparty, who's their head coach, by the way, played his uh, college days at the University of South Carolina. So, uh, again, uh, that should be uh, a, a lot of fun as well. 
Now we look at the other game that's going to happen. This one, an old reunion here, if you will. Texas A&M, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State coming here at number 25. You know, they're coached by that man. He's over 40. <laughs> and he'll come in here and see what he can do against A&M and, and, and what he can do uh, against an old rivalry here, if you will, here at the Academy Sports Outdoor Texas Bowl in uh, Houston, Texas. Now, this game, it, it has some interesting sides to it here for recruiting purposes. There's not just a game of conference versus conference. This is literally an opportunity for both of these teams to put on a debut in a clinic and, and, and I would say an interview to some of these young athletes in the state of Texas and around Texas here. Uh, your thoughts on this one, uh, Ben, when you look at this matchup? Yeah, Jimbo Fisher's teams do pretty well in bowl games. Uh, he has a has a sparkling record uh, there, and, and having you know, more time to prepare, they typically do very well. Uh, look forward for the the Aggies to uh, to to win this matchup in the uh, like as you mentioned the uh, the Big Twelve uh, former Big Twelve uh, matchup there. But uh, you know I think this is another you know situation as well. And you mentioned uh, it, it, imperative for recruiting Jimbo Fisher. Uh, you know was expected to uh, compete for national titles, not not be playing you know two days after after Christmas and, and, and things that way. Certainly he's being paid like a guy who uh, needs to be in the college football playoff. We know how difficult that is there in the SEC West. Uh, but, uh, you know, it might, Mike Gundy's always going to make it tough for you. I know uh, Drew Brown struggled uh, last time out for the Cowboys. Uh, he's, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what those two uh, get after it. And, and these folks, they know each other. You know, that's that's the other side. You know, working that Texas, uh, you know, Oklahoma, um, you know, Louisiana, where both teams uh, recruit. You're going to have a lot of guys, especially in a bowl game, who – have probably, you know, were, hey, I wasn't recruited by that other school over there. And, uh, you know, they're the SEC school, and we want to go beat them and knock them off. I mean, it, it, you know, the, the rallying, uh, it just means more. Certainly, uh, folks get revved up to play an SEC opponent. Uh, I think there is a little bit of SEC fatigue for folks uh, nationwide as well. I hear that uh, when I talk to folks from uh, from Sea to Shining Sea. So, uh, interested to see what Jimbo have dialed up. Uh, we know uh, certainly what he can do with quarterbacks and what he can do with offense. And uh, having multiple weeks to prepare for the Cowboys, uh, you know, I, I definitely like Texas A&M in this matchup. Yeah, I'm kind of like you here, and I do know that you're going to get your best punch when you're outside the SEC. You're hosting an a- SEC school or just playing against an SEC school. Uh, you're going to get your best punch. Uh, that, that's how it goes there, whether you're Alabama, you're A&M, heck, even if you're the Gamecocks or Georgia. Uh, you, you just know it means more to these programs to beat somebody out of this conference. Even Vanderbilt gets it, too. Because it's just to be known, hey, I took out one of the SEC guys. It just is another asterisk on your resume and looks a little bit better there on your win and loss column. Now, of course, uh, we head over to the West Coast uh, for the 8 o'clock game kickoff over there. That's going to be on Fox Sports 1, by the way. Number 22, an 8-4 and four USC, taking on a 9-3 Iowa team here. This is the 42nd edition of the Holiday Bowl, played Friday night over there at uh, San Diego. Now, this one, uh, I don't think Ron Burgundy will be in the house, but I do know There'll be a lot of people packed out to see whether Southern Cal can uh, continue this game. This is, again, a, another packed game against a team out of the Big Ten. And you see Iowa, the Hawkeyes, who they had a lot of uh, a lot of energy going into almost the end of the year before they lost another game or two uh, to finish 9-3. and three. They're 16th ranked in the country. But this is a very good matchup. I like this one in different ways. And really, honestly, so does ESPN and everybody else. This is almost down the line of pick'em game here. It's 50.6 favored. Right now by Southern Cal in the matchup predictor, 49.4 going the other way to Iowa. Man, you couldn't ask for two good quarterbacks here to kind of go against each other. They've got some pretty high numbers and interceptions here, but both of them have thrown in a lot of uh, passes around. Of course, uh, Slavis 
over there for Southern Cal. He's got over 3,200 yards on the other side. Stanley has thrown him for 2,700 yards here. Uh, ben, y'all thoughts over there 24-7 sports. When this one's all finally put away with four quarters of football, maybe some free football of an overtime, does, uh, does Southern Cal have a chance to end this one on a good note and finish at 9-4? and four, Or you're going to see the likes of uh, Iowa probably finishing in the top 12 if they find a way to get their 10th win here tonight. Yeah, it's been a, been a very interesting uh, close circle until the regular season and entering in the bowl game. You know, we, we've seen uh, there was a, just a swarm around Southern Cal program. Is Clay Helton going to come back? Is Graham Harrell going to come back as the offensive coordinator in that program? Uh, both are back. Both are will be, you know, dialing things up and, and getting things ready. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's kind of one of those things, too, to see, you know, how do the, co- you know, the players feel about the coaching staff? I think that's a that's – a, big part of it as well you know when, when coaches are on the hot seat the players hear it between social media and media uh coming out and reading things um you know it's just certainly not as insulated as it used to be as we well know uh, any any type of thoughts about things going on with your coach you can just go to twitter do a search and uh and find it quickly uh but uh, we talked about several teams that are very well well disciplined tough. iowa is that you know they're not going to wow you they're not going to you know blow you away with speed uh, I think that's the, the biggest factor in this game. Can Southern Cal get out on the edges and really take off, uh, you know, running the football, passing the football down the field? And uh, you, you, you highlighted it. It's, it's the stats that jump off. It's one of the things that I look at whenever I'm covering game or in the building. Uh, who won the turnover battle? You know, how many how many uh, turnovers did, did one team over the other? Uh, because that typically dictates the dictates the score. So, uh, you know, yeah. If, Southern Cal can hold on to the football and move the ball down the field. I, I definitely like them against Iowa, but if they start getting sloppy again, uh, it's, it's the Hawkeyes game to watch. And, and I personally think this is a game to watch uh, today, certainly an 8 o'clock kickoff uh, tonight. Looking forward to that. And uh, I'm, I'm with you, man. It's, uh, it should be a fun one and I think a coin flip game. Yeah, no doubt. Get the popcorn, the soda pop, and maybe a pizza beside you and hang out because at 8 o'clock, boy, the fireworks will start off. And it's the first two top 25 matchups happening in bowl games. Uh, this one uh, the Holiday Bowl's been around a long time. I mentioned it, 44 years have these guys been doing this thing, or maybe a little more than that, but uh, it's been around for a long time, and it matches up two great power conferences against one another all the way from the Big Ten, uh, hanging out to the pack. It reminds you a lot of, I think, the Rose Bowl does that, if I'm not mistaken there as well. So you start to kind of look at things here, and uh, we're going to continue uh, our final game here tonight. This is going to be 10-15, a late cap, a final cap here, and this is a game that a lot of people are looking forward to because – it's expected to be a, a very much of an offensive production from both sides of it here in the Cheez-Its Bowl on Friday night, as, of course, uh, you'll see this one over there in Chase Field uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, right? This is uh, in the similar backyard over there as the national championship game. is going to ha- excuse me, the, the big game tomorrow night that's going to happen with Clemson and the Ohio State Buckeyes. But before that game happens, you're going to see Washington State taking on Air Force. Air Force has them a good year there. They're 10-2. and two. They don't play it. A lot of strong teams, but they do take care of the business that's on their schedule. On the other side, boy, Mike Leach, I can't wait till they mic him up here today some more because it's one of my favorite guys to listen to. Uh, six and six, not the season he wanted, but they can make a lot of things right by winning at seven and six. There's a big difference between six and seven and seven and six, a massive uh, conversation with recruits here. Uh, but for them to go in there and, and really handle business against Air Force would be a big deal here. But this is very similar. Uh, they are favored to win this one, by the way. If you look at the prediction mode here, and it is, uh, of course, uh, I think they've got about three-point favorite underdog, actually. Let me check that. Underdog at three points. Uh, but the barometer by the fans, I guess, they have them 55% to 44%. What say you guys over there at 24-7 Sports and a game that could be a pick here tonight at 10-15 when they kick it off? 
Yeah, it would be really fun to have uh, Mike Leach mic'd up for this game, wouldn't it? Just uh, being able to see where his train of thought is. We've seen his post-game pressers. We've seen his pressers during the week and conversations during the week. It would be a lot of fun. But I expect a lot of frustration out of Washington State and that staff. Uh, their defense has been one of the worst in the nation. And uh, the, the biggest thing that frustrates you so much on Air Force is, uh, you know, and really any of the option-based offenses is just they hold on to the football. They don't allow you to do it. Michael Leach wants to, you know, fling it around and, and really uh, score points and get up and down. Uh, you know, most, most college football games, you may have 12, 13 possessions. Uh, against an Air Force team, you may only have eight or nine. So if you uh, do, don't protect the football or you go three and out, put your defense and shove them right back on the field, uh, that Air Force Falcon offense does a great job of, uh, of moving the football going forward and just sucking the life out of the football. All of a sudden, you can look up and there's six, seven-minute drive. Even if Air Force scores a field goal, you feel like you're behind the behind the eight ball in a major way having to scramble, and it just forces you out of your game. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly like the Falcons tonight. Uh, you know, you always have the, the uh, you know, your rare chance that, that Washington State does some, some funky stuff and, and Mike Leach – draws up something fun but uh yeah his his defense has been really bad he's been really really vocal about how bad this team has been at times how disappointed he's been uh, guys kind of reading their own hype and guys uh, you know really you know kind of ingesting all, all the social media pieces which he's not a huge fan of to read and follow some of the uh the pullman newspapers and some of the stuff on social media uh he's been very down taking guys phones away taking guys uh, limiting them uh, or getting rid of social media altogether uh, not been a great uh, great season there, and uh, pretty embarrassing, obviously, a Pac-12 play for Mike Leach. Not where he wants to, wants to be, he wants the, the program to be, and uh, I, I expect today to be another frustrating uh, day for him, and uh, just interested to see what uh, what the Air Force can do. As you mentioned, you know, they, they play you know anybody and anywhere and, and fly all over the, uh, over the place to, to go and play quality. You know, Navy, Navy squad played Army this season as well. Uh, they certainly aren't, aren't afraid uh, of playing somebody. And, and uh, with this amount of time, you, you hope that that defense would at Washington State would prepare for that option attack, but it's so difficult to simulate in practice. Yeah, there's a lot of coaches who will not scrim, uh, will not play, will not scrimmage, will not talk about that. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's blasphemy. And some of these coaches' opinions here, and one of those is Nick Saban. He said, man, I don't want anything to do with a triple option team. It's a wasted practice. It's one, something you'll see one time and one time only. Uh, and you know, you normally do not see a triple option on the Alabama schedule, wherever Nick Saban has coached before. Uh, that game, again, like you said, no pun intended here, but the Air Force will fly anywhere to play anybody at any time, uh, and that's proven there. You look at their numbers and their stats there. They are uh, a really good-looking team here. We'll see what they can do tonight if they'll kick that one off at 10-15 over in the desert or in Phoenix, Arizona there in the Cheez-It Bowl. Now, Quickly, before I get you out of here, I don't want to keep you too long here and uh, abuse the privilege of getting you guys at 24-7 to be a part of our show, which we do appreciate you and all of you guys over there 24-7 as you guys contribute a ton week in, week out, day in and day out here as uh, we've got a game every day going forward other than Sunday uh, all the way to the national championship game. But tomorrow you've got Memphis, Penn State, uh, two top 20 teams here coming at each other there in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. Another big-time game, two big-time plays. Uh, Memphis has had uh, a pretty good season, I would say. Penn State on the other side, another good season, something to build upon. But a winner here takes a lot more than a victory. They get a lot of momentum going into the offseason here. Uh, your thoughts on this one that's going to be over there, of course, in Arlington, Texas, over there at uh, ANTT Stadium? Yeah, very interesting to see what Memphis looks like. Uh, left a lot of talent, Ned. You know, without their head coach, 
certainly, and uh, there's much conversation as well. Several of the coaches, uh, the Memphis staff, will be joining Mike Norvell down in Tallahassee as he's the coach at Fort State. Uh, you know, seeing what what that uh, that team wants to do against a very quality, as you mentioned, Big Ten opponent in the state. Uh, James Franklin, he isn't going anywhere. He got a, another uh, contract extension this offseason. Some of the uh, the rumors swirling around about him interviewing uh, at, at Florida State and other places. Uh, he, he's locked in there in Happy Valley and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, what, what this uh, what this program does. We mentioned a couple of times earlier, this is another group of five, although the American Athletic Conversation calls themselves the Power Six. Uh, that, that doesn't really travel too far, uh, but, uh, you know, they have another opportunity to go and knock off a big boy. Uh, this is going to be a really good game. Uh, you can watch, watch a guy uh, that, that I know uh, personally and have, have watched grow up as well by the name of Antonio Gibson. Folks that uh, don't, don't watch uh, Group of Five football or Memphis football may not know who he is. Uh, just an absolute spectacular athlete playing uh, running back, wide receiver, uh, punt return. Uh, really can do a little bit of everything. Set, set the, uh, the AAC record for all-purpose yards in a game. Uh, if he touches it, he can absolutely disappear uh, into the end zone, and I think that's the biggest thing that I'll be watching, seeing what some of the skill guys can do for Memphis. As Mike Norvell and his staff have done a really good job uh, seeing what they could do. And, and another another uh, thing that I'm looking at as well is Brady White, a uh, guy who may consider doing another graduate transfer. You know, tra- traveled uh, Mike Norvell uh, when he came from Arizona State to Memphis. Could potentially do it again. This could be his final game in a Memphis Tiger uniform at quarterback, uh, quality quarterback there can sling around for the Memphis Tigers. So very, very interesting to see what happened um, in that matchup. And, uh, yeah, we'll look out look out for a couple of those two names uh, if you're flipping around uh, watching, watching Memphis and Penn State. And we're going to look at three more games here really quickly here. We'll look at, of course, uh, Notre Dame-Iowa State meet for the first time in uh, the Camping World Bowl here. Of course, uh, that one also going to be a noon game. This is on ABC, the other one at noon on ESPN. You'll catch this one over there in Orlando, Florida. Uh, they, of course, uh, will, will kick it off over there. Now, although both programs have been around for more than a century, Notre Dame, of course, and Iowa State have never faced one another, so this would be a first. And uh, easily, to me, could be uh, a, a, an every everyday game because they're so close in proximity. They're really, I mean, if you think about what geographically where they are, uh, they've kind of got the meat potatoes of the offensive line. Big old guys come through both of their campuses. Uh, but the tradition of Notre Dame uh, and what Notre Dame has meant to a lot of people, uh, they ended up finishing 10-2 and two during the regular season here. They're an independent school, and I don't believe that uh, that's a whole other conversation for another day, how that worked out. But uh, Iowa State comes in at 7-5. and five. Uh, They, by the way, they being, of course, uh, the likes of uh, Notre Dame, you, you look at this one, you wonder, you know, how this one's going to work itself out, who's going to win this one. In the favorism, I would imagine that you're going to get Notre Dame's going to probably have the heads on this one. Uh, your thoughts on this matchup when these guys go off uh, at about 12 o'clock on ABC tomorrow? Yeah, Notre Dame, uh, you know, after really just getting smacked in the face by Michigan, really embarrassed. Uh, there, was, there was some rumblings, uh, certainly about Brian Kelly's job, as there is every single time where uh, Notre Dame's not in the national picture. Uh, they won five in a row, and uh, they look pretty good doing it as well and coming with a ton of momentum uh, Iowa State kind of skipping and starting certainly not the magical year that they had uh, you know last year uh, you know, where they were ranked most of the season uh, yeah, there was there were some expectations certainly in the Iowa State program uh, but as we mentioned you may have mentioned before they are not kind of the blue bloods uh, there Notre Dame is Notre Dame's a national brand they're expected to show up and, and we know uh, their fan base travels uh, from east to west and uh, everywhere in between so uh it's going to be a, a fun matchup there as well. But would 
like to see I mentioned a little bit earlier with Jimbo Fisher, you know, what, what Brian Kelly has dialed up offensively, what he has, uh, you know, what his, his squad will do and to be ready for this Iowa State program. I do like the Gold Domers in this one uh, close, and uh, I think Iowa State puts up a fight, but I think uh, Notre Dame uh, just really too much, too much uh, you know, offense and, and too many weapons there for the Cyclones. Live right now with Ben Moore from 24-7 Sports. Uh, two final games here to look at for tomorrow, as he'll be very busy tomorrow. I won't get a chance to get you in here tomorrow. Uh, before we go to the game that you're going to be at and covering and uh, watching as well over there at the uh, Chick-fil-A Bowl, let's go over to, uh, uh, of course, Glendale, Arizona here at 8 o'clock uh, tomorrow night, Clemson, Ohio State. Number three, Clemson is favored by everybody. I mean, they just uh, – I don't even understand why Ohio State wasted their time, they would say, going out there to the desert. But if you ask, those guys at Ohio State – just watch them now. See what they can do. Now, that game will kick off at 8 o'clock. Uh, Clemson highly favored by everybody that does sports writing, talking, conversating, anything that they do in the world of sports by most everybody. Uh, but do you see any chance, and I do believe it starts on the front line, the defense of, uh, of Ohio State, you know, they get a lot of fumbles. Clemson doesn't give a lot of turnovers. So it's going to be a turnover battle to me. That's going to be the difference in, in, in this game for me, and I haven't really spoke much about it yet. I was waiting for today and tomorrow to kind of give my picks on this one. But um, that being said, I think the turnover matchup is, is going to be who wins this game. Because Clemson doesn't turn over much, and Ohio State demands the ball, takes the ball a lot during the season. Uh, your thoughts on this matchup when these guys finally kick it off tomorrow night for the finale on a long Saturday of college football? Yeah, this is, this is going to be the best uh, best offense that Ohio State has seen all season. As you mentioned, that front seven has been very impressive. And, and uh, it just comes down to mistakes. It comes down to – you know, what, what does Trevor Lawrence look like? Uh, we, we know he's a cerebral guy. We know he's the guy that, that cuts up a bunch of film and you know, has had the, uh, the Peyton Manning comparisons really since the seventh or eighth grade uh, here in the local Atlanta area. Um, and uh, you know, re- really looking forward to that. We talked about a little bit yesterday, what's the, what's the status of Justin Fields and his, uh, his right knee uh, since he plans to go. He's not 100%, more closer to about 80 or 85%. Uh, he's going to rock that knee brace. Uh, didn't seem to certainly – uh, slow him down against Michigan, and uh, even though after he uh, he got banged up and uh, missed, I believe a snap, uh, came back on there and, uh, and, and and threw launched a touchdown pass as well. The kid has an unbelievable arm, and you're going to see two two of the just special quarterbacks at the college football level uh, who have just had spectacular uh, careers thus far. And, and for Fields, it's just been a season, certainly transferring from the University of Georgia being his his debut game. But uh, you know, Clemson and certainly Coach Dabo Swinney has has played up the disrespect card and then continue to press that button really for uh, you know six or eight weeks now but uh, you know I think this is, is absolutely ready made for an opportunity if they are able to turn fields over or, or have an opportunity to slow down that Ohio State offense I don't think folks are giving Clemson's defense enough credit either um, I think they expect this game to be in the 50s and, and a shootout this way um, I, I do uh, expect Clemson to uh, to take take care of this one. It certainly should be a whole lot closer than the matchup a few years ago, where it was thirty one to nothing. Live right now with Ben Moore, twenty four seven Sports. As we start to kind of look at things here at the uh, the big game uh, tomorrow night, there's going to be two of them. One happening at eight o'clock. So that's the one we just talked about with Clemson and Ohio State. I agree with you. I think the defense for Clemson. Anytime Brent Venables on the sideline for anybody, one thing I've learned to do is respect that guy, and he has done it year after year after year as uh, these guys haven't been beat in a few years now. If you look at their track record, pretty good. Now, the game that you're at, and it's got a lot of question marks in the Oklahoma camp over there as I keep hearing the conversations. As a matter of fact, I heard an interview last night that might have been the first time I've heard Jalen Hurts sound a little different concerning this Oklahoma team. 
you know, they asked him about the experience uh, coming into the Chick-fil-A Bowl in the semifinal game against LSU. Uh, kickoff tomorrow night, 4 o'clock afternoon, actually, on ESPN over at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, yesterday, when they interviewed him, Ben, he didn't sound quite as poised as I've heard him all year long. Maybe it finally hit him. I'm in a game. It's a championship atmosphere, but I don't have the likes of Alabama around me. I don't have Nick Saban here. It has a different feel, not to mention they've got injuries all over the board. They've got question marks. Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? That wasn't the case as heavy as it was at uh, Alabama, and I think they were deeper in talent in Alabama than what Oklahoma has as well there in this one. Yeah, it's tough, and I think Jalen Hurts uh, certainly understands. You know, he comes from the Alabama school of uh, not paying attention to folks outside the building and everything that way. But uh, you're you're two touch two touchdown underdogs in this game for a reason. Uh, LSU is just simply a buzzsaw right now offensively, and you know, the question certainly continues to be about Clyde uh, Edwards Elaire and whether he's going to give it a go for for LSU uh, battling a leg injury that he suffered uh, late in the season there. And uh, but uh, they have. You know, five-star running back behind five-star running back and stacked at wide receiver. Uh, Joe Burrow could go out and throw 45 times for 450 yards and a couple touchdowns, and LSU could run away in this one. And I think that's the biggest fear for Jalen Hurts. It just puts a tremendous amount of pressure. When he looks across and sees that he doesn't have uh, the defensive studs that Alabama certainly have. This, this uh, is a very different team makeup-wise. Um, you know, it's interesting doing a deep dive and getting ready for this one, uh, you know, Oklahoma actually is a rush-heavy offense. You don't necessarily think about that with the Lincoln-Riley last few years with uh, with Kyler Murray, uh, Baker Mayfield. And, hey, they're going to pass the ball and they're going to fly it all around. Uh, they prefer to run, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing is they're going to want to keep the ball away from LSU. That's got to be the game plan. You know, It's got to be moving the chains with Jalen Hurts, uh, being able to use uh, some of the excellent wide receivers when, when you can take shots, go downfield, but then you also have – Guys like Grant Delpit out there, uh, you know, patrolling for LSU as well. And LSU certainly, the early part of the season was taking their knocks defensively, looking like, hey, maybe they're not the, the great defensive team that they have been. And we've seen what they've done uh, over the last few weeks getting ready for this game as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a strength versus strength situation. Uh, very much looking forward to two of the best offenses in college football get after it uh, and then really see which which offensive coordinator blinks, which, uh, which team makes the most mistakes and, uh, you know, seeing Jalen Hurts play in Mercedes-Benz yet again. You know, he's been in that building uh, going back to his uh, freshman year uh, all, all the way now to his graduate senior year. Uh, he knows that building well, uh, certainly comfortable there, and has certainly seen success there on the national championship and SEC championships as well. Uh, they're playing for Alabama. But, no, I, I definitely like LSU a ton in this game. Uh, very interested to see if Oklahoma can continue to keep their offense going. And, uh, yeah, the, the over-under for folks uh, who follow such things is 76. So they're expecting a whole lot of points to be scored in this matchup. And, uh, yeah, it should be a, a whole lot of fun Saturday afternoon. No doubt about it. It will be an interesting one. Ben Moore from 24-7 Sports. Ben, first of all, thank you so much for all that you've done for us uh, this week. You gave it an extra day, Thursday and Friday. I know next week. Uh, it is, uh, of course, uh, New Year's Day will be on uh, Wednesday, and uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll kind of look at how we're going to do the show, but we're definitely going to go Monday, Tuesday, and uh, we'll go Wednesday as well uh, because it's going to be a lot going on. But uh, let us know if you have as much availability to help us out next week with this being, man, I mean, we're, we're it's basically, if you ever go to a fireworks show and at the very end, the grand finale, they give you like a thousand fireworks at one time. So that's kind of college football right now. And uh, I got on SoCon John, he put it on social media yesterday talking about, this is why we don't need to have so many bowl games. I was like, well, I tell you what, 
I'm going to remind you of this tweet in July when you wish there was some college football to be played. I, there's such thing as bad college football, dude. That's blasphemy. No, I agree totally. It's, it's so funny, you know, even getting back to that Miami-Louisiana Tech game, there were so many people that were disappointed watching Miami struggle, but I just kept laughing. Uh, they're, they're watching it. They're, they're watching this bad game. It's a 14-0 game. That, uh, <laughs> certainly we've seen high school games this year that were probably more compelling in the variety of, uh, of states across the union. So, uh, yeah, we, it's, if it's on, we'll watch it. You know, we're, we're, we're suckers for that. We're gullible. We're going to flip the TV on and watch college football no matter who it is and, and uh, who's playing. So, uh, looking forward to a spectacular week. And yeah, we'll definitely catch up next week. All right, buddy. Thank you very much. God bless. Take care. Enjoy that game tomorrow, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get you a live report. If you tweet out, put anything out there, man, tag us on Southern Sports Central so that we can stay in loop with you guys there on the ground in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium as you're going to see the number four Oklahoma Sooners taking on the number one LSU Tigers. Kickoff at 4 o'clock. Ben Moore and 24-7 will have boots on the ground, guys. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ben Moore from 24-7 Sports. Uh, uh, we'll stay here with you because of the fact that, uh, you know, this is a little different here. We've got so much football, so much conversation. Uh, Will, uh, you, you've done a good job. You've been tweeting like crazy over well, there at yeah. Sports Central. A lot of information coming through, though, man. These yeah. guys are good. we got a very good group of guys that, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they say, you know, you clean up like a prom date. Well, these guys help us clean up like a prom date. They bring in a great <laughs> interview. They bring up a lot of great points. Uh, and, and I know you want to kind of uh, have some conversation here as well, which I want to bring you in here right. and uh, talk a little bit more about it because I do want to get in here. Uh, and I thought about going to break, but uh, maybe we don't. Maybe we don't here because of the fact that it is what it is, and I run the deal, so I can kind of determine that we don't. Yeah. But we do have Brianna Welch, who is going to come at us in just a little bit. Uh, she's coming to us from uh, all the way over there in Arizona and uh, State Farm Stadium over there in Glensdale, Arizona, where you're going to see the number three Tigers take on the number two Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, but before we get to her, let's talk to you and, 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 and give us some thoughts here on that interview and, and what you thought, of course, of what uh, Ben Moore brought to the table. Well, you know, Ben Moore uh, and with 24-7 Sports and the, the uh, insight that they have and the reporting that they do, just a fantastic job. The thing I was going to say, you know, whenever, um, whenever you said thank you, uh, thank you for being on the show before he left, I thought he was going to say my pleasure because, you know, the Chick-fil-A. Because you know the Chick Fil A Bowl is 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 in town, yeah. yeah but um, yeah, but none, nonetheless, just a good little laugh there. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of insight. Uh, eight bowl games uh, to cover. Uh, four of them, four of them tonight, and then four of them, of course, uh, Saturday night, tomorrow night, and uh, some of a lot of them. Each each of them have uh, have their importance uh, uh, with these games, and so you know you get to a point. You 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 have a winning season. You have bowl games, and, and you have a bowl game to appear in, and uh, the way that they match up is that uh, it, it's a like either a, a power five versus a group of five team or or a different power five conference versus another power five conference. And in the, in the case of the college football uh, playoff, it's the top four uh, going going at each other, the one and four going uh, going against and then the two and three going against. But, you know, nonetheless, there's a lot of tells in, in these in these um, programs and in these uh, matchups that are going to be happening. And I would be granted to say that some of them may determine jobs in the future and future employment for, for certain coaches um, that, that have been at this level that have continued to uh, show up at bowl games. But then, uh, you know, for some reason or another, it's uh, falling, falling off the wagon or uh, the, the team just, 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 just does not show up to play or that you have players that are, are sitting out of this game 
uh, because one, they, they deem that it's not important as uh, going into the NFL draft, but number two, that they're going to be entering the NFL draft and they want to save their bodies to preserve their bodies because uh, football being the, the um, high uh, contact sport that it is. And you, you said that it, uh, you said it's a collision sport. I it do is. believe it's a collision it sport, is. not so much a contact sport. Um, but, and uh, I think Nick, Nick Saban, I think had some words to say um, about that, um, about that mentality, if you will, uh, uh, sitting out a bowl game, uh, yeah, we're trying to play that today. Trying to play that, yeah. Yeah, if you want to try to f- pull that up, I, you know, and we do have a slate of things here. We've only got about 17 minutes, so we're going to kind of crush it all together. And understand, tomorrow you and I will do a show in the morning. Uh, is eight o'clock is a kickoff for that one as well. Eight to eight ten. O'clock. Yes, sir. Uh, whether we stay here in the studio, we go out and about. Maybe we hit the town of Somerville. I know it'll be open tomorrow. There'll be a lot happening. It wouldn't be a bad idea to get out and about and see some people. But if not, we're going to bring it to you eight to ten. We'll talk probably. I imagine uh, you're going to get into. Uh, the conversation of the Saturday game is a little bit deeper than what we will have time to do here today. Uh, but there are so many great games uh, that are happening uh, just today alone. I mean, again, you're going to be able to start watching football at noon, North Carolina Temple. And, uh, again, uh, a, a kid that's right down the street from our studio here, Matt Duncan, over at, of course, uh, uh, a, a, a place that, uh, well, quite frankly, has produced some quarterbacks over there. And uh, you start to kind of look at uh, what – what's happened here in Somerville and, and of course some of these schools that have happened around uh, the area, they put out some athletes around here. And of course we talked about Sam Hartman who played at Oceanside. Now he's going to start at Wake Forest. That's kind of big news, right? That's kind of uh, pretty crazy to yeah. think about uh, a, a low country, um, a low country product being, being another put one. out there. Another, another one. one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a low country product being displayed at the quarterback position and to, to play at a, at a high level uh, for, for a, uh, albeit, it is a it is an ACC team that, and and it's Wake Forest, but Power you know, Five school, but Power Five school, and yeah. they and they were ranked um, once uh, once this week or or once this uh, once this year this season uh, before they played Clemson, of course lost that game, but you know the 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 talent that the Demon Deacons have, yeah, it's it, it's, it's good there. to look at and it is there, it's there, and and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, so Temple's going to get Ashley Ridge's quarterback here next year. Uh, Matt Duncan, he'll head over there. He'll redshirt his senior, his freshman year. There, he'll have the rest of the three or four years there to play. But uh, he'll be watching. I'm sure the entire Duncan family will be watching that game tomorrow. Uh, once you pull up that, let me know, and we'll, we're going to play that interview from, uh, of course, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Nick Saban. He's going to talk to us about uh, why, when, where, and how uh, it, it should be played over there in the in the likes. Of, uh, of the bowl games. And he, and he talked about bowl games. He said, you know, he talked a lot about uh, transfer portals and two different, uh, I would say, um, conversations that were had. Uh, one, of how he directs his guys to play, whether you play or don't play. He says it's a business decision. You know, it, it is a liability. There are certain things there. But he somehow, in another interview, he did talk about uh, the likes of uh, how hard it is, you know, uh, we always want more. We always want more. And, and of course, we had two games, two, two, two games that, that – or one game that defined two teams in a national championship. Well, they wanted four, then they're going to want eight, then they're going to want 12. And now you've kind of demised a little bit of what uh, the prestige of certain bowls are. You know, now, you know, not every year you're going to talk about, you know, uh, the Sugar Bowl or you're going to talk about the Fiesta Bowl or you're going to talk about the Rose Bowl or whatever because – Back in the day, those New Year's Day bowls mattered just as much as any other game did. But because of the factor that you've done what you've done and made it more of a, you know, multiple teams into this conversation, it is a little different. We pulled it up, Will? 
I'm still I'm still trying to get it all uh, okay. sorted out. All right. So uh, if you will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of look at it here. Uh, that being said, let's head over to the other one, uh, you know, to the other one. Let's go to Brianne Rhett Welch, who, of course, uh, she is over there, uh, over in the uh, in the desert, over at Phoenix, Arizona. She did check in with us uh, uh, with us uh, yesterday. We had a conversation, but because of the hours difference there, actually, Glensdale, Arizona, uh, number three, Clemson taking on number two, Ohio State. Uh, Eight o'clock kickoff there. She is actually going to join us uh, via a video from yesterday that she put out there, and uh, basically. You know, kind of talks about the atmosphere, the Dabo Sweeney uh, conversation of how this guy kind of comes in. And he's trained his kids to be very much like him on the radio and on TV and how they come across is, you know, they accept the role that they have. I know yesterday I watched in, uh, the, uh, the player interview as they introduced uh, Trevor Lawrence yesterday uh, to the media. He had kind of his one-on-one there with media. Uh, he talked about never even knew who Clemson was going into this trans- going into this whole recruiting process. One of the teachers and a coach is a special teams coach, the kicker or the punter uh, played at Clemson. And that's how this thing kind of came to tuition. Um, you know, but the one thing that made that trip special was the people on the campus, you know, and that's kind of what pushed him, promoted him and uh, really reeled him in. And what have I told you guys a hundred times on this show, if you can get them on the campus at Clemson, South Carolina on Clemson university, it is a 99% uh, deal there. Yeah, real quick uh, before before this video is uh, the getting all of it to uh, come together and to load. But um, if I remember correctly, you know, you talk about that culture at Clemson and and something powerful that they have is uh, um, I think that they they didn't even offer one of these players a scholarship to play football there um, until after he until or until after he came and toured. Uh, and like Clemson was interested, they were looking at him, and then and then all of a sudden. Uh, this commit to to an SEC team, um, he he decides to flip and then go to uh, Clemson after they offer him uh, that that very next Monday after the weekend of the visit. Um, I think that just speaks to uh, just just how powerful that a visit is uh, to actually physically be there and to um, and, and to feel a part of uh, of that culture and to be a part of that uh, Clemson family that they continue to um, continue to promote that they continue to um, put out there. Uh, so th- this video is uh, from from Brianne Welch. Uh, Tan- Channel Two is uh, where they based out of here. Well, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so let me give it to you real quick. So Brad Welch is uh, one of the young ladies uh, over there. At Channel Two. She's covering it for Channel Two. That's NBC Sports. That's where I go on Sunday nights. They, I work with those guys over there in Mount right. Pleasant. And uh, with them giving me love, I'm going to show them love here. Let's go ahead and hit that real quick because we're going to get up against the clock if we uh, we don't give them their time here. So this is Brad Welch live coming to you from. The desert over in Glensdale, Arizona, at the, of course, uh, the big matchup tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, PlayStation Fiesta Bowl over there in the semifinal game. Scottsdale, Arizona, just a little bit outside of downtown Phoenix, and it's absolutely beautiful here. It's kind of like an oasis in the desert. You've got the mountains. We have cactuses. It is absolutely beautiful. There is supposed to be a little bit of rain coming in later and tomorrow, but it shouldn't be a real issue because it's a great day to be alive, as Travis Tritt would say. And I bring that up because that was Dabo Sweeney's walk-up song today to the podium. He was loving it, singing. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Either way, it was fantastic to see Dabo in such a great mood and the Clemson Tigers also in a great mood. Just a couple of days before the actual game. That includes Charleston native Mikey Dukes, the running back from First Baptist. He's in his first playoff. He's in his first year. Only played a handful of snaps this season, but he's loving this experience, and he's very excited about what's to come, although being away from his family on Christmas, that was a little bit of an adjustment. 
it's been all right, you know. Well, it's been wonderful, but, you know, Christmas ain't Christmas really with your family, so, you know, but my family came up yesterday. I actually got to see them, and, yeah, it was good. We had a Christmas uh, brunch, and, you know, the little, uh, the uh, coaches, uh, kids, they did their little skits and all that stuff, so it was pretty fun. And we'll have plenty more reports coming up from today's media day, all the players and Coach Sweeney talking to the media coming up later in the 5 and 6 o'clock hours, including why Davo Sweeney says this Saturday is going to be must-watch TV. Live in Scottsdale, I'm Brianne Welch, News 2 Sports. Of course, that's Brianne Welch over there, Channel 2 Sports. Uh, thank her for everything that she's doing over there. Of course, uh, that's an expensive trip to send your uh, media team over there, and they've done just that over there, Channel 2, NBC Sports. Uh, they're on the ground. Uh, in and around, uh, of course, uh, Glensee, Arizona, where that is going to be the uh, the stop, the final game on Saturday, 8 o'clock. Uh, and, and the must-watch TV is what I said earlier that he said, of course, Dabo mentions it, that, that they are the, the team that gives away the ball the, the least. And, of course, Ohio State takes the ball the most. Uh, also, on that interview, you heard Michael Dukes, uh, Mikey Dukes, as she referred him to over there, first Baptist running back last year. He was the Keegan Williams, by the way, of uh, of the low country uh, as far as stats were concerned, I did big things. We didn't know where he was going to go uh, up until signing day. And then all of a sudden, here comes Clemson and uh, swoosh, went right into uh, Tiger Town. And uh, he's gotten the ball a few times, not as much, uh, but he has seen some action, may see some action uh, tomorrow night on the on the ground as well. But uh, he's represented uh, the, the guys over at First Baptist as well as the Low Country in fashion there as well. Let's head over now to this other interview. This is concerning uh, what Nick Saban is going to talk about when it comes to the likes of, uh, of playing a bowl game, why should you not or why should you play a bowl game? And then if we're able to back it up together, you'll hear as well the, the conversation that he talks about. You know, you wanted more, you got more, but you lost more than you actually won. Both of those are going to come up really quick. Right. And uh, it, uh, just to put this quickly in context, but Nick Saban, this is uh, back in 2016 yeah. uh, whenever they were in the college football uh, playoff uh, game, whatever matchup that it was, but this was back in 2016, so a number of years ago, uh, and, and here's the piece right now. What would you say to a player that asked you to, to sit out the bowl game to protect his NFL career in the future? Well, I mean, I don't answer hypothetical questions, so, you know, you're asking me a hypothetical question, but um, I will say this. Um, I think when we created the playoff, which all you wanted to do, all right, and all you wanted to make it four teams, and now all you want to make it eight teams, all right, and then pretty soon all you guys are going to want to make it 16 teams. And the only focus is on the playoffs. But when we all started this, however many years ago it was, I, I said that you're going to diminish the importance of other bowl games in college football, all right, which has happened. That has happened. All anybody talks about is the playoffs. All right, we have a whole bunch of other bowl games that, you know, people don't think are all that important. Uh, so if you don't think it's important, all of a sudden some players don't think it's important. Uh, so you can't really blame the players. You know, I mean, we created this. Okay, we created this. Uh, it used to be to go to the Rose Bowl was like when you played in the Big Ten, that was the ultimate of any experience that you could ever have. Uh, if you played in the SEC, going to the Sugar Bowl uh, was that same thing. Uh, if you played in the Big 12, it was going to the Orange Bowl. All right, so those things don't exist anymore. 
All right, we have a playoff. Everybody's interested in the playoff. Nobody's interested in anything else. So now that that's trickled down to players, how can you blame the players for that? All right, I can't blame the players for that. I think what every player has to decide, and what I would say to every player, is I think every player probably benefits from playing really, really well. All right, so I think when you play in big games and you play really, really well, I think that enhances your value right, as a player. That's what I think. All right. Now, every player would have to make the decision between is that more important relative to protecting yourself? I think that's every player's choice and that's every player's decision. And uh, I don't know that there's much more to say about it than that. All right. Of course, that's Nick Saban, 2016. Uh, nothing's changed. Here it is, uh, 2019, 2020. And, and the same opinion goes for most coaches. If Look, if you can benefit yourself, by not playing, uh, you know, and it's a, it's a liability deal. Let's just say you've got a nagging injury or something like that. I can understand it. The only thing I'm going to say is this, is that I, I'm guilty of it too, though. You know, I, I, I don't want to see it diminish the lo- the likes of the bowl games by his playing uh, more teams in a playoff. You know, uh, I, I don't want that, but I, I do want to see it to be a, a better playing field because there have been times in the BCS to where you've seen the likes of, uh, of of maybe the right team didn't make it in. And if that makes sense to you guys here, is we've got about two minutes left of the show here, so we're going to uh, kind of wrap it up here now. And, uh, and again, we'll be back live tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, here on Southern Sports Central. Uh, of course, uh, the fifth quarter will be uh, the show. Of course, Will Porter, uh, he'll lead that one. I'll hang out with him here for two hours as we'll get it live from 8 to 10. And uh, we'll look a lot more into the games tomorrow. Memphis, Penn State, that's going to be a big top uh, – 20 matchup there. Of course, Notre Dame, can they finish strong? Taking on Iowa State, Oklahoma, LSU going to be the uh, 4 o'clock game, and then the 8 o'clock kickoff, Clemson and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Those are four big games here as uh, we'll look at those. Of course, uh, Monday starts a whole new slate of games there uh, as they've got four big games happening on the uh, on the 30th. Uh, 31st has got a slew of games as well, man. I mean, it starts to really ramp up pretty quick here as uh, we'll head all the way to the uh, final game and that's going to be the uh, national championship game there on the 13th day of january that's a monday and until uh, then we'll have uh, games almost every day but sunday and that's the only day that they don't play over there of course in the league there uh, been a great show uh, i do want to welcome and thank and, and and appreciate all of you guys who are tuned in here for the first time hopefully uh, of many times that you'll join us here on the show of course uh, we started off at 714 with a uh, offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach over there at Mallard Creek, he is originally from Somerville, South Carolina. Didn't know that until I got him in here on the radio show. He went to Stratford High School. Didn't realize that either. Uh, played for a legendary coach, Ray Stackley, over there in the uh, Stratford domain there. And, of course, that's Coach Robert Hellams is uh, the OC over there at Mallard Creek. Uh, the only team that tied came close to beating uh, uh, Dutch Fork in the last so many years. Uh, they played them in week zero. And uh, Mother Nature canceled it out there, and it was a tie, and that's how it finished as if they never played, but they still were hit with a tie. Then at 8 o'clock, uh, Ben Moore got here with us all the way from 24-7 Sports. He checked in with us from, of course, uh, the ATL over there as they're getting ready to kick off their thing uh, in the uh, Chick-fil-A Bowl there at uh, 4 o'clock tomorrow on ESPN. He will be uh, giving us all the updates. You can follow us at SO Sports Central. He'll tweet at us. We'll retweet it out throughout the day. Then Brianne Welch from Channel 2, she's over there. Uh, covering uh, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. That's uh, going to be a big deal as well. She's with NBC Sports that I get a chance to work with on Sunday night. So 
good show. I know you've been busy, man. Not that I didn't get a chance to get you in here as much. I know tomorrow you'll get to talk a lot more than me, yeah. which is good for me and uh, good for you, and it'll be a good show tomorrow as well. Uh, what's on the docket for tomorrow, and uh, what are you looking at? Well, tomorrow's a lot of uh, NFL action, uh, just, just to talk about. It's week 17, and a lot of these uh, divisional uh, play th- these divisional play-in games that determine who's going to where the seeding is going to go in the playoffs and, um, and and just a lot to look just a lot to look at with that and uh, a lot of news coming down uh, even as the show is going on this morning um, and, and just to continue talking about that also the conversation uh, with, with college uh, football I know that the college football playoff is uh, starting tomorrow and uh, just uh, just a whole host of topics but I think um, all around football is in the conversation. No doubt about it. It'd be a solid one, guys. From us to you, we say uh, enjoy the Friday. The kickoff is at 12 o'clock, and it doesn't end until sometime around uh, midnight tonight, as you'll see from coast to coast. They'll kick it off on the East Coast and finish it on the West Coast. On behalf of everybody here at Southern Sports Central, I'm Richie Alban. That is Will Porter. We'll be back live tomorrow right here at 8 o'clock in the morning for the fifth quarter show, brought to you by our buddy over there, Will Porter. This has been another Southern Sports Central Radio Network. Have a great day. When you're crying, when you're crying, you bring on the rain. Stop your shine, won't you be happy again? Happy again. When you're smiling, when you're smiling. Keep, on smiling. keep on smiling, I'm the world.